Welcome back to the Video Store Junkies podcast. It's a podcast about movies and the experience of watching them. And tonight we are back in the video store, but unlike most nights, we are not in the science fiction section and we are not in the horror section. No, tonight we are headed over to the drama section. That's right, just plain old human drama for us tonight. And we're going to be talking about a film from 1993, Joel Schumacher's Falling Down. Bill Foster is an ordinary man. Where are you going? Going home. Not this way or not. Why not? Metro Rail Construction, that's why not. Living in the everyday world. I don't suppose you'd have a couple of bucks you could give me. It would really help me out. If you give me your address, I'll mail it back on us. A patient man. Can I help you? Yes, I'd like a ham and cheese omelet and wham fries. I'm sorry. We stop serving breakfast at 11.30. Who's running out of patience? Get some change for the phones. A peaceful man. No change. Have to buy something. Who's about to be pushed? Eighty-five cent. Eighty-five cent. That doesn't give me enough money for the phone call. Drink. Eighty-five cent. You pay a gold. A little too far. I stay. You mean you stole your baseball bat, but he paid for the soda? Just standing up for my rights. As a consumer. Oh, this guy's discriminating. Kind of vigilante That's right. Tonight we are not talking about a horror movie or a science fiction movie. In fact, I think this is the first time we've actually ventured into the drama section on the uh, in the video store. Um, we've been in the comedy section before, but I think this is probably the first like straight drama that we're talking about. So it'll be kind of interesting. So before we get started, let's go around and just talk a little bit about our experiences with this film you know when we first saw it what our relationship is with it and alan i'm going to start with you this is actually i believe the first movie that we are going off of your recommendation for so let's uh give us your background with falling down well i i would like to say i think i did choose used cars as well but that was a long time ago um and that was just because i wanted to watch that one again but yeah so this one um I, I'm trying to remember the first time I saw this movie. Um, I used to, when I was in college, I worked at a blockbuster for a while, and I remember this one being on the wall. You know how they had, like, you know, when a movie just came out, they had, like, 50 copies of it. So I saw Michael Douglas with his briefcase and his bat a lot. And I think that's when I first watched it. And I'm not sure why I watched it so many times. After that, it was just like it came up a lot where if we couldn't agree on a movie to watch... You know, it's like, hey, well, why don't we watch Falling Down? There was always somebody that hadn't seen it. And um, generally, you know, people enjoyed it. So, um, and I, 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 I feel like Bill. I, I, can't, um, I can't remember how many times I've seen this movie. I, I guess I've probably seen it at least, well, at least six times and, and you know, maybe more. And the last time I watched it was um, Tuesday night. Nice. And on the other end of the spectrum, speaking of Bill... Apparently, we found a movie that Bill hasn't seen, which he was like, no, there are lots of movies I haven't seen. Uh, I yeah. don't think I've ever heard of a movie that I've seen before that he hasn't. So this is the really? this is the oh, first. There's a, yeah, no, there's a lot of them. They're always surprised on Decades of Horror when we pick an obscure, not so obscure um, movie that I haven't actually watched all the way through. We're about to do another one, Children of the Corn. Never seen the whole thing. Oh, really? Um, okay. Yeah. So there you go. Well, I, I believe I have seen Children of the Corn 3, so go figure that. But uh, yes, I was exactly two hours ago old when I first <laughs> And Great. so I could say pretty safely I've seen it once in my life. Nice. Um, just, just one of those ones. I mean, I knew about it and um, 
just kind of fell between the cracks. And it's it's not one that's always being streamed all the time. It wasn't streamed today. I had to pay for it. It was worth the price. I had to pay a lot. But, um, you know, there's some movies that just don't, you know, it's, it, it's kind of odd. Like the first of the new Planet of the Apes movies is always on, always available. I can watch it at any time. Two and three, no. So, you know, I keep waiting for them to show up. But, you know, so, yeah, but, okay, so, yes, it's fresh in my mind. At least I can say that. Great. Well, also, I think, uh, just just for the record, uh, Children of the Corn 3, That's the, is that the one with uh, Charlize Theron in it? Oh, really? Is it? No. Oh, okay. Oh. I, I thought. I thought. I think she's in one of them. I thought. I thought that. I thought you were going to say that's why you've seen that one, but uh, uh, never mind. Probably was. Yeah. Um. Cool. Well, uh, Paul, how about you? What's your background? Are you a a diehard falling down fan, or are are you new to this movie like Bill? First, I want to say I must have blacked out. I don't remember you actually mentioning that we were doing falling down in this podcast. So yes, and we're not. Do I, I mean, so. Yeah, so we're the film we're doing is 1993's well, Falling Down. If you, <laughs> Did we if not you mention listen, this? If you listen to our podcast, you know that I, I record the, the opener oh, separately from this. So you can, that's okay. fine. Okay. So people 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 will know, but now if, if they've been listening to the podcast for two minutes and they've already forgotten what they're listening to, you've just well, reminded it's them. It's like, did he not mention what we're doing? So yeah, Falling Down. Um I remember when it came out, I, I saw the trailers. And I'm like, this doesn't look like anything that would interest me. It looks like it's it's it looked like it was pandering in terms of one and going one direction. It looked like it had a from the trailers, like it had a particular point of view that I didn't think would appeal to me. And then I guess a couple of years after it came out, for whatever reason, I, I watched it might have been on, on a videotape. It might have been. Uh, might have been we didn't really have any streaming service i mean it's streaming but i mean we didn't have any so it must have been a videotape i must have rented it at some point and i remember watching it and going it was okay it was better than i was expecting it to be but it wasn't like anything i really cared to see again um and then last week alan said hey let's do falling down i'm like well oh, okay um and so i rewatched it and i mean i i think it's gonna be an interesting discussion i mean it's definitely there's some definitely interesting things to 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 talk about with this um so yeah, that's that's where I'm at. This was the second time I watched it, and uh, I I think uh, we should have a good discussion. I think great. And last but not least, Renee, what is your relationship with Falling Down from 1993, which is the movie that we are covering today? If you've if you've forgotten, I actually did forget until okay. Paul reminded us. So I'm really <laughs> thankful that he did that. Good. Um, yeah. So um... I was actually talking to the viewers, but. <laughs> yeah, I guess I guess I guess it's good that I, I thought we were that. doing Space Jam too. Uh, oh, yeah. <laughs> no, that's, <laughs> uh, that's the next episode, yeah. Paul. Yeah. Oh. You're, you're hosting that one. Anyway, sorry. Go ahead, Renee. <laughs> <laughs> um, um, I, you know, I remember watching this when I was younger. It's funny though because I don't think I, I don't know if I didn't watch it all the way through or if I just don't rem like if the ending just didn't stand out to me. Um because I just don't really remember the ending uh, from when I was younger. Uh, so I would say that I watched it one and a half times. Um, it was definitely interesting and different uh, from having watched it as a kid to watching it now. Cause you know, and there's stuff that, you know, I think even just being influenced by you guys that now, you know, I look for things that I wasn't looking for before. And it's like, oh, I see that. Now. Not that I'm necessarily, look necessarily looking for it, but you suddenly see things that you wouldn't necessarily have 
noticed or, you know, you pay attention to the soundtrack and things like that. So anyway, it was very interesting watching it again. And uh, yeah, that's uh, that's it. Well, I've definitely got a lot to say about the soundtrack on this one, but we'll get to that in a little bit. Now, speaking <laughs> of things, speaking of doing things wrong, I don't think we've actually been introducing ourselves, but that's fine. I've, I think oh. I've said all your names. <laughs> All your names. You can repeat them if you want. Uh, I'm Zachary Edgerton. I know that I watched this movie several times when I was younger. I feel like it was the sort of movie that would be on like afternoon, like network TV on the weekends. Uh, obviously, like an, an edited version, but I definitely remember seeing this a couple times. I don't think it's the sort of movie I ever actually rented though. So I feel like it was probably I never had cable, but uh, it's probably on like like I don't know Saturday afternoon uh movie or whatever and so I, I probably watched it a couple of times uh all the way through um but yeah i hadn't seen it in a long time very very interesting to revisit it now because <laughs> obviously there are kind of a lot of politics here and hey if you don't like getting political maybe turn the podcast off now um i can't pro i mean maybe we won't maybe we will i have no idea where this conversation is going to go but yeah there, there's definitely uh definitely some interesting things to talk about watching this movie in uh 2021 uh, as opposed to when it first came out but anyways so yeah i think that's all of us now normally we talk about the background of a movie but uh you know i'm gonna be <laughs> honest i did a little bit of research enough to know that there's i couldn't really find anything super interesting about this one i don't know if anyone else has any uh, background that they want to talk about. It was filmed during the LA riots, which is kind of ironic. yeah. They they it's had to a... they had to quit. They actually had to postpone filming because yeah, it was filmed. Uh, and it, we'll talk a lot about the fact that I mean this is a, qu a very very like quintessentially LA movie. So yeah, obviously they were they were shooting in areas that they uh you know couldn't wasn't safe to shoot. So they had to I guess postpone and go shoot some stuff in the studio. Um. Yeah, is there anything else anyone wants to talk about? Just the the writer E.B. Rose Smith, and primarily a, an actor, correct? Yeah, not really. And this isn't this their first. Uh, was this their first screenplay? I think that got uh, this was uh, his. This was his first. Uh, per, this is his first screenplay. His first feature film credit, and his second to last feature film credit because uh, the other movie that he wrote was a. I think it came out a couple of years after this. It was a big screen adaptation of uh, Car 54, Where Are You? Huh. Yeah. Oh, oh. <laughs> quite, a, apparently... quite, a, quite a bit different film. <laughs> apparently, uh... yeah, apparently not a very good movie either. So uh, I think this ended that. And, and that... he was in, he was in this film. He did put himself in this film. Yeah. yeah. He was one of the people in the cars, was he not? Yeah, he was at the beginning. Um, he, he's the guy that has the good, the the great line about like, what is it? Like, I'm, I'm in linoleum or something like that. Oh yeah, um, yeah, <laughs> yeah. He's he's got on to be in a couple things. Uh, most notably, uh, he's been in one of my favorite, not funny haha, but funny hmm TV shows of uh, the last couple of years, which is uh, Portlandia. I don't know if you guys seen that. Mm. It's great. Yeah, um, he's been he's been in a couple episodes of that. But yeah, so he's uh yeah he he only had a couple of writing credits, and this is probably his uh, his best one. I'm I'm sure someone out there is gonna get angry and hopefully email us and tell us that no car 54 where are you is actually his best work <laughs> Zach's just trying yeah. to get an email 
yeah, no, I, I'm desperate, like I, I'm desperately, I'm, I'm trying to ramp up the, the, uh, the things that I say and, and see if I can finally like trigger someone to email us. Anyways, some so more yeah, engagement, some, some more engagement. engagement. That's what yeah. we need. And apparently, the only way to get engagement on the internet is to make people angry. So hey, there get mad, go. people. Uh, I will mention the other important uh, creative force behind this movie is uh, Joel Schumacher who, uh, you know, Alan claims that he doesn't know directors and he never pays attention to who's making movies. But it is kind of interesting that Alan recommended this one. And Joel Schumacher was also responsible for another film that I believe Alan likes. At least he's mentioned it a couple times. He also directed 1987's The Lost Boys. So he had a couple of he had a couple of hits in the in the 80s and the 90s. He directed uh, he also did Flatliners. Um, He also did The Client. (laughs) Um, and then, unfortunately, his career took a bit of a turn, and yeah. he is primarily <laughs> <laughs> the thing that everyone thinks of when you say Joel Schumacher, even though he directed this, and he directed, you know, The Lost Boys. He, he directed some beloved films, but if you say the name Joel Schumacher, anyone who loves movies will say, God damn it, that Joel Schumacher who made Batman Forever and Batman and Robin, um, which didn't actually end his career. He actually had a, you know, he directed, he, he kind of, uh, I don't know, he he, I think he was... He recovered from that. He had a couple of moderate hits after that. Uh, he also directed one of my kind of favorite kind of small scale uh, early 2000s thrillers, uh, Phone Booth, which uh, is, is really fun. Uh, yeah, written by Larry Cohen. So yeah, he, he, uh, he directed this. And this is, I, I think, one of his, I, I, don't know, I would say it's one of his best movies. And that's, that's not saying that his other movies aren't great, but... He I should go watch some of now. his that I haven't seen to see if like I really do like all the stuff that he does. Although I'm not gonna like the Batman ones, so I'll just no one likes Batman. No, yeah, no one likes the Batman. He's he did have nipples to the bat suit, didn't he? Weren't that the, he, wasn't that one of the ones? The bat, yeah, Batman? that was yeah, Batman and Robin. I mean, he yeah. he's gone on record now. I actually totally for some reason I totally forgot that uh, probably because it was. Uh, summer of last year when there were obviously a lot of other things going on but he actually passed away last year uh in june of 2020 he was also a lot older than i i thought he was uh, apparently he was born in 39 so but yeah so he's he's gone on record i think he kind of apologized i think he actually realized that people didn't like those and he he was he kind of graciously acknowledged that yeah yeah, the batman movies maybe weren't uh the the strongest films in his uh in his in his filmography however excusably bad but um yeah (laughs) I mean, they really were because there's no excuse when you've had two good movies made to then show up and suddenly act like you've never thought that Batman could be anything other than the TV show. I mean, but you yeah, know, well, that doesn't mean he's a bad person. I'm sorry, he died. Well, no, no, okay. no, he's not a bad person. At some point, at some point, we will we may talk about all of the Batman movies because there's a lot to talk about there. Sure. At which point, we will talk about those two movies. However, Ugh. today we are talking about 1993's <laughs> Falling Down, a movie. A movie that was made before anyone knew uh, the name Joel Schumacher in relation to Batman and Robin. So um, unless anyone has anything else, I think we can just kind of dive in and start discussing the film itself. Sounds good. Yep. I will say I think I saw his Batman before I saw any of the originals. Oh, boy. (laughs) Well, well, that's a story for another time. It is, isn't it? So yeah, normally I think we're going to have a bit of a freeform discussion. Uh, we we were kind of talking about this earlier, but I think that there are a lot of things that we're probably going to pick apart about this movie. And uh, we'll, let's just go and, and see what the where the discussion takes us and what the interesting things are that people want to talk about. 
Well, one of the things that I, I, I said, I didn't write down any notes. I actually just, just wrote this down, but, um, this is one of those movies where you can kind of break it up into several parts. And anybody that has seen this movie, even if they don't like it, they're going to remember one of these, you know, one of these things, because he's in a lot of situations as the movie goes on. And even if you didn't like the movie, you know, you might've liked, like, you know, I wrote down like, you know, whammy burger, you know, you liked that part or you didn't. And if you didn't like that part, then maybe you like the part where he was in the convenience store or something. Anyway, there's like, there's like lots of things, you know, cause he's, he's got, he's on sort of like this trek to get home. And as he does that, he goes into all these things. I mean, anything could have happened, but they're, they're almost like, you could almost like make 10 or 11 little short films out of this one, you know, falling down, you know, whammy burger, falling down, uh, construction scene and so forth. So, even if you hated some of the parts, there's you gotta like one of them because there were just so many. Um, yeah, well, yeah, it was, uh, it was pretty episodic. Yeah, in terms yeah. of, um, so he's you know he, he's having these conflicts and going through. I think that's one of the things that that didn't quite work for me, just in terms of the the way they were strung together. His character. I mean, he's a complex character. I think. I think he he does. I think Michael Douglas does do a really good job with this character. And it's your feelings. I think with about this character are supposed to kind of change as the film goes through. But the the way they have them spaced out, or the the, the particular situations, at least for me personally, it it didn't. It, it didn't give me that character arc. He kind of there were times, and then now unless that was okay, for me the way I was thinking they would do it is have the character be sympathetic at the beginning. And as he goes on, he gets creepier and scarier. Cause by the end he's like, I'm the villain where he doesn't realize it. Right. He doesn't realize he's, he's become this horrible thing. And, but it doesn't work that way for me. Like the very first con confrontation he has with him with the, with in the convenience stores, he loses all sympathy from me. And then later he has the, there's more sympathy, but then he goes and, and does other. So yeah. it, it goes back and forth unless was that, do you think that was the intention? So that, well, to... you see, okay. So you touched on, here's my, I don't, I don't want to say it's a problem. I like the movie, but it's yeah. not the movie I thought it was supposed to be. And, and I went back and read a couple of early reviews that came out and I don't know what movie they were watching because they're talking about how, you know, this is a sympathetic guy who's pushed too far. And it's like, this is a movie about a guy who's having a bad time and uh, is able to find the inner hero within. And that character is played by Robert Duvall. Yeah, he's yeah. Clearly uh, yes. the hero of the movie. And, and yeah. at, at no point did I not think that Robert Duvall was going to be the hero of this movie. For that very reason, this guy clearly, he, from the get-go, um, Michael Douglas's character seems like, you know, a loose cannon. Yeah, he, I, he wasn't very sympathetic. Yeah, it's a shit move not to give a guy change. But you don't beat him up and wreck his store for it. Um, even if he is overcharging for Twinkies, and and those okay, prices yeah. were reasonable. Yeah, you know, really. Well, the thing thing is, Bill. Like, <laughs> I, I agree with you, but the problem is, I think the film, at least, it seemed to me the way the film framed it was the fr the film wanted you to think that he's the hero at first and wanted well, you to sympathize with him, but to well, me, it didn't. I mean, that's what I'm saying. I, it, I, I do get what yeah, you're saying. See, I'm, think... I'm I'm completely on the other spectrum because I okay. I did. <laughs> Yeah, but, I mean, that's, that's what I think is interesting about this film is that I think people can take different things from it in terms of yeah. what the what the the 
screen. I mean, the screenwriter stated a particular thing about what he felt this was about. What did he? But, I'm interested. Well, well I'm not when he read it. So yeah, let's. I, oh. Zach, you kept wanting to say something. I kept interrupting. Yeah. Go ahead, Zach. No, that's fine. I, I was going to say let, let's just take one step back. I, I know that people uh, probably seen the movie through listening to this, but sure. just in case they haven't, uh, like like I think we've we've said uh, him the him that we keep talking about is uh, Michael Douglas, who is credited in the film only as defends because that's what it says on his license plate. And I, I think I think maybe maybe let's talk a little bit about some of these. But his encounters. name is Bill. His name is Bill. Yeah, his name is William. <laughs> um, let's talk a little bit about some of these encounters. And let's, maybe maybe <laughs> yeah, let's let's pick apart like if there is a character arc, because it sounds like that's the thing that everyone's kind of latched onto. So should we should we just should we just for people who maybe haven't seen this movie at all? It might be a little lost at this point. Just sort of give a brief synopsis of, of what's happening. Um, well, I think, yeah, I well, think that's what Zach's saying. Let, we kind of we kind of do need to do the beats because let, of the yeah. Let, of the character. Let's, let's yeah. start. Let's start at the beginning because I think that the opening scene is where you don't really know anything about this character. And initially, I actually do feel like you're very sympathetic to him because the entire opening scene is actually incredibly well done. It is basically him sitting in his car in gridlock in L.A. There are screaming kids. It's hot. There's a fly in his car. It's the air sort of thing that doesn't work. Yeah. Air conditioning. Yeah. It's the sort of thing that really everyone can kind of relate to. I also want to call out, even though we sometimes do this at the end, I'll just call out some of the behind the scenes people that I, I think are worth mentioning because this whole opening shot is really brilliant. It's not just him in his car. We then kind of, I don't know, it's kind of a crane shot, I, I guess, or I don't really know what kind of shot it is, but the camera is kind of panning over all of these different things. It's panning over the, uh, you know, the construction workers and then all these kids in this bus who are like throwing things. And it's like this one continuous shot. Uh, I do want to mention that the, the cinematography in this film was done by, uh, I'm probably going to mispronounce this, I apologize, uh, Andre uh, Bartkowi Bar Bartkowiak. Um, I apologize, Andre, if you're listening. I probably just mangled your name. Write me and uh, tell me how to pronounce it correctly. Uh, he shot. He he actually shot a. He, he, he shot, I I always like to pretend that the 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 very important filmmakers that we're talking about are actually listening. Yeah. Um, we he deliberately shot, he, mispronounce their names so that they might. Write yeah, in, so, so they get angry. Is that Joel uh, Schmacher? Schmacker? Schmacker? <laughs> well, he, yeah, he, he writes in that'd be pretty terrifying. Though. Oh, that would yeah, be. Yeah, we need yeah, a Ouija say. board for that. Yeah. Uh, so so, so, so I have this a guy, beef with Tom Hardy. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, Tom Hardy. Yeah, fuck that guy. Anyways, um, <laughs> so uh, hardly you mean. This guy, this guy directed, uh, or this guy shot a, a number of movies that uh, we're probably familiar with. Uh, he shot Terms of Endearment. He shot uh, uh, Species. Uh, he's oh. uh, it, uh, most importantly, though, if you're a fan of '90s action films, he also shot Speed, which is you know a classic. So yeah, he, he's he's a pretty good cinematographer, and I love the opening shot because, like we were talking about, like we don't know anything about the character. All we know is that he's stuck in gridlock and. He is fed up, and it's it's a very uh, I don't know it's a very understandable scene. And the 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 kind of the the break is him just getting out of his car and walking away, like literally, which is you know. And then like someone shouts at him. Yeah, it's kind of a fantasy. It's literally something. <laughs> I think it's the last time I of. feel sympathy for him. Actually, that's a, yeah, 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 exactly. Yeah. yeah. And, and someone someone asks him, "Hey, man, you know, he's like, you can't, you can't get out. Where, you know, what are you doing? Where are you going?" And he just says, "I'm going home," and he just runs away. 
And yeah, so so this is kind of the the opening, the introduction to him. And then the other character that we mentioned uh, and the other actor that we mentioned, the other kind of main character is uh, Pendergrast, played by Robert Duvall, who we are then kind of introduced to immediately thereafter because he's also in traffic. He's he's it's kind of funny because we we inter- we are introduced to him and he's in the same gridlock and he's actually I, I don't know he's obviously you know not having fun but he's finding amusement because he's looking at this graffiti that someone's put on this billboard where there's this like this model and there's someone's drawn like a little like guy who's like stuck in her bosom and he's saying help yeah. and he's just kind of like giggling to himself so I kind of love the fact that these There's two save characters... the cat moment right there. I mean, am I the yeah, only exactly. one that sort of sees Michael Douglas and Robert Duvall as almost the same character? They're just handling no, their yeah, situation differently. Yeah, that's that's kind of the okay. point. Yeah. I think, and I, I would figure we can talk about more of that when we get to Robert one's Duvall, mentally but... ill and the other one isn't. Well, well, well no, he... but I think they are. There are supposed to be sort of parallels and contrast. Yeah, yeah. Those, and but... even well, the other guy. There was a third guy too that I sort of uh, associate with that. The guy that was not, you know, economically viable. I, I sort of viewed him as the same. He's in the same situation. It's just there's another way. He he chooses another way to handle, you know, basically the same situation. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. I love the fact that we're introduced to them basically back to back and they have mm-hmm. kind of different uh, different reactions to this gridlock. Now, immediately Pendergrass is on the case, uh, beca- a little, although he doesn't really know it at first. But, uh, you know, he gets out and they're trying to move this car that's in the uh, in the middle of the road. And this is where we are uh, introduced to the, the or I guess not introduced to, but where we see the uh, the writer and he plays the guy. This is the, the line that I love where Pendergrass is like, yeah, I'm in. Uh, what is he like? I'm in like uh, down like robbery downtown or something like that. Or and then the guy says, uh, like, I'm I'm in like linoleum myself or something like that. Anyways, yeah. really. Funny, funny that the director or the yeah. writer gave himself the, the funniest line in the movie. That's yeah, um, of course. Uh, yeah, welcome. So I, like, I um, like the line the line right <laughs> after he says that. He hands him his card and he said whatever he's in. He's like, I'm in linoleum. And then he just goes, he's like, I love cops. Yeah. You know, he's like he's he's never he's never not selling. <laughs> right, right. Um, yeah, but you know, this it's another moment too that that a subtle thing that makes you like the Robert Duvall character when He's trying to help this other cop, the motorcycle cop and everything. And the guy's just blowing him off like he's a oh, yeah. civilian. And this is where in most movies, the, the our hero, the cop, flashes his badge and makes the guy look like an asshole. And um, he shows the badge just so like, look, you know, I'm not going to go back to my car. But he doesn't lord over him or say, hey, dude, you know, whatever. He's just, no, it's okay. Let's move this car out of the way. And then the guy kind of has to do it because it's another cop. And that's what he should have done in the first place. But just the fact that Robert Duvall is not acting like a tool kind of, right. you know, sets sets the sets the tone for the whole movie where he is extremely untool like. He's he's not on a power trip, which which is kind of right. interesting because he's he's actually the authority figure who you would expect to be on the power trip, and the guy who's on the power trip is the guy that doesn't have any power. Right. Yeah. And well, I mean, I think he's... sometimes, yeah, I think sometimes that's why people react that way, right? Right. Is when right. they feel that they're when they feel they don't have power, that's when they act violently. Right? Well, this guy's that's never had a weapon in his life, and the entire movie is people giving him progressively more dangerous weapons. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well. Yeah. Well, he, he, I mean, he, technically, he did have Duvall a weapon. He doesn't really have missile. any power. Yeah. Yeah. He doesn't yeah. have any power either, or at least people keep telling him that he doesn't. You know, because he he had he had been mm-hmm. shot, so he's behind a desk. It's his last day, so you yeah. know, don't do anything. And, you know, when he sort of puts 
you know, he connects the dots. It's like, you know, stay in, you know, stay in your place, stay in robbery. This isn't right. robbery. Yeah. When, and um, actually another, another connection between the two is as well is, you know, you, you later find out the, the, the real trigger point for yeah. Michael Douglas is this is his daughter's birthday and he's been out of work for a month. So being out of work, wasn't necessarily the trigger point. The trigger point was this is his daughter's birthday and there's a, his wife has a, a restraining order. So he's essentially lost a da- his daughter. And then you find out that Robert Duvall at some point in the past has yeah. lo- literally his daughter had died. So, and you see that, and again, like Alan, you were saying, I think it's the whole point is the contrast. They have similar situations, but they're, they're handling completely differently, which actually one yeah. thing I do like is that it's not, he could have been really on the nose with it. And made them like super similar in terms of what they were going through, but but they're 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 different enough that it's not um, you know it's it's not right on the nose, which I think is makes it right. which is one right. of the strengths I think. Well, let's talk about the kind of fall the the following scene that I I think uh, like Bill was saying you you feel sympathy for Michael Douglas in the first scene and then you immediately lose it in the second scene or at least I did because he's going in to make a call and. He encounters a convenience store clerk that, uh, you know, it, it's it's very clear cut that he doesn't think this guy is giving him the respect that he deserves. And so he uh, proceeds to trash his store. I will say, because uh, I love calling out all these uh, minor actors. And also, uh, th- this movie, uh, you know, obviously shot in and around L.A. Oh, so many of these, like, bit part actors, you go and uh, look at their IMDb's and they've just been in so much stuff because they're all, like, working actors. So the, the, the store clerk is played by Michael Paul Chan, who is on one of my favorite shows of all time. Uh, he was, had a recurring role as Judge Lionel Ping on Arrested Development. So, uh, oh, yeah. <laughs> but he's been, he's been in a ton of stuff. He has been, uh, he also played Data's dad in uh, one of Paul's favorite movies, The Goonies. Um, so, yeah. You would, uh, you would rec- let's put it this way. He, it's a long way of saying you would recognize him. He, he's you would one recognize of those, him. You yeah. call him those guys, right? He's one of the yeah. character actors that are like, he's those guys. But yeah, so the, the, the thing is, this scene, um, it's not just he's, a, he's not just assaulting him because he feels he's not being respected. Um, Michael Douglas isn't just assaulting the convenience store owner for this. He's, he's, he is being racist about it. I mean, he's he's um, making fun of the way the 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 the, the convenience store is supposed to be Korean and has a, a not really thick accent, but enough of an accent. And Michael Douglas is making fun of that and so forth. And then he starts, uh, like you said, he's he starts destroying the merchandise. He's like, "How much for these donuts?" And he's like, "Well, they're two fifty. And he, Michael Douglas takes the bat and smash too high and things like this. And the thing to me is that. Yeah, I, I immediately lost all sympathy for his character, but the way it is shot and the way it is written, I get the feeling that they thought it was funny. That they thought, I thought it was it, funny. Well, that's what I'm saying. And so I'm, I'm interested down because, yeah, I mean, you said for you, you do find him sympathetic at this point. And so, and I think that you're going to find different people are going to, some people are going to be like, it's it's not as clear cut to different people. So, yeah, so I, I want to hear from, hear from you what you had to say about it because that scene does work for you and and you keep the sympathy with him and you find it funny. So I was curious what you have to say about it. Well, I mean, it's just the whole premise of the scene is he needs enough change for the phone and the Coke is 85 cents. I mean, maybe, I don't know. I've been in that situation, you know, and I, and I remember when I worked at places, you know, there's this, you know, there's that rule, but 
too many no sales means you're stealing. So they don't want anybody to do a no sale on the register. So, oh, you got to buy something to get change. And it's like, well, can I buy it? You know, a stick of gum and you give me a dollar of change. Oh no, I can't make change because I'll run out of change and, and so forth. So yeah, I can relate with that thing where, well, I, I can't really buy an 85 cent Coke because you're only going to get me 15 cents back. And for, for those of you who had never seen a payphone, you know, it was, it was 25 <laughs> cents to make a call, right. but you know, he, he wouldn't have enough. Now, know. now, you know, and it's to me, it would be like, well, crap, you know, get a, get a pack of gum or go back and get, you know, like get two, two cans, cans of Coke. Yeah. And you would have enough, but yeah, just the, the busted up the store. Ah, that's too hot. You know, and he just like, you know, he just like swipes it off. And then at the, at the end, um, I, I don't know what it was like some batteries. And, you know, he's like, he's like four. And, you know, he's, you know, he starts raising that back. He's like, well, you know, like, 379 or something like that. And he's like, ah, ha, ha, you know, you tried to fool me. And he's like, he's like, you know, like he was going to lie to him. And he just, you know, he just swipes that whole display down. And finally, you know, he just, he picks up that can of Coke again. And he's like, you know, 50 cents, you know, and that was it. So yeah, I, I, I'm willing to like, let some of these things go. Like I, I don't, I'm not looking at that as like a racist scene or that he really hates Korean people. Now I do get that he hates people that come to our country and can't speak the language. I get that from him. But the purpose of the scene was just, I don't know, the, the, it, it was funny. It was, you know, these prices are too much, and I'm just going to keep beating your crap until, I mean, you know, you I give me what, a reasonable price. I got to get what Alan's saying. If the guy behind the counter had been the white guy from the Waffle Burger or whatever that place was and did the exact same lines, I think the reaction would have been the same. Uh, well, he didn't really discriminate. Thing. I mean, he, well, he I, had no, a problem. He does, he does people, call out the racist things, but I think <laughs> – I think that is in the moment, but I think you're right. But, I, but I, okay, I think the intention. Yeah. I think Alan got the intention. I think that was right. their, Alan's reaction. It seems to me is what the intention of the scene was. That's not the reaction I had, or or several of us had, because it had those racial undertones, yeah. and and it's so violent. I I I, I yeah. don't know. I think I do think so violent. He didn't oh, he's even. Smashing... Well, he smashed he's smashing the guy's up. property. See, but look, that, 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 this is this is a, this oh, is a political yeah, he didn't, thing he didn't here. Hit him. Yeah, well, but violence. Ahead, okay, so some people say violence against property is not true violence. These are the same people who usually say words which are not violent are violent. But okay, whatever. If you're smashing up something, you are committing an act of violence. Tell yourself whatever the hell you want to believe that you're fighting for social justice and it requires you to grab a big screen TV. Whatever. But it's violent. I mean, that you go into someone's store with and, and walk into someone's store with a bat and start smashing things. It's violence. That's why. Yes, but normally when we talk about violence in movies, we are talking about violence. Why wouldn't he think that he's going to get beaten? So you're terrorizing someone in addition to destroying his property. Are the donuts overpriced? Okay, maybe in 1993 dollars. I thought that was a perfectly reasonable price now, you know, but you know, I don't know. I'm not a price is right champion. Um, the pro one of the problems I had with this, though, is that it kind of hit on something I don't think they intended to, but being from New York, there was quite a bit of violence between in some of the poorer neighborhoods, the minority neighborhoods where the Korean grocers were like the only grocers in town and they charge higher than average prices, possibly because they're also being robbed on a constant, you know, constant basis. And there was, you know, there was a lot of, um, there was a lot of racism directed toward them by some people who should know better and now have their own TV shows. 
So well, and, and I, the thing is, yeah. The, oh, sorry. Go ahead, Bill. No, no, no. Go ahead. I mean, that's, well, what I was going to say is, what's interesting in is, here. what's interesting is, this isn't the only time they do that, where they have a scene that has a deeper resonance than I think they really intended, um, yeah. and, and for negative reasons. So, for instance, that when they when they eventually were jumping ahead, jumping ahead here to the Wawa Burger or whatever the fuck it's called, right? Yeah. This Wendy. this film wasn't. Yeah. This <clears throat> this film was 1993. Um, yeah. Now, I mean, since that, then we've had a lot of of you know mass shootings. But in terms of mass shootings in restaurants, there was an infamous slaughter in a McDonald's in 1984, right. only nine years earlier. And then actually only a year before this film came out in Texas in Luby's, which was a, a sandwich place, just an absolute massacre of people. Um, and, and so that would have been on people's mind when this came out. I'm glad, and that you, scene, I'm glad you brought that up. Because, yeah. And, you know, people, Go ahead. I'm sorry. And that scene is played for laughs. Oh, look, she threw right. up. Oh, you're that's all. Ha ha. You see, know, I it, see. I disagree. I mean, I I did not get laughs from that because I, I, these Bill, people Bill, were Bill, terrified. Bill, Bill. Yeah. I'm saying I didn't laugh at it, but it's played for laughs. It's shot. Well, it's well, I mean, it, it's, if it's all of us don't think it's funny, though, I, I do. We, should we be blaming the director for? See, this is what I saw in a lot of the reviews. A lot of the reviews yeah. were were saying that they were afraid audiences would see this guy as the hero and everything else they themselves did but they were afraid yeah. other audiences if if the general consensus is that that's a scene of a guy literally terrorizing people. the only time i laughed the only time i laughed in that scene was at the very end when the little kid raised his hand because that was right. kind of funny that he you know he was the one who connected with him on that right but, but what I'm well, saying the is other, there's another comedic part in that scene where and I, at least i thought was funny where they're handing the manager the food well, yeah let, okay, let's, that let's, is fun. yeah let's, we can we can go back i mean i, yeah, I can't yeah. jump ahead but i yeah. i do i think it goes back to similar to this scene this scene at least to mm. me it wasn't funny but it was i think it was shot in a way that it was supposed to be and alan found it humorous and so yeah. clearly some people find it humorous and some don't but I think well, okay, now, now another yeah. thing I'll preface that by saying is yeah. if you said if you asked me, was that scene violent? I, yeah. I would say no, because when I think of violence in movies, I'm thinking of people getting beaten and, and blood and death. Now, yeah, yeah there's violence in that scene. But if you told me, is that a violent scene? I, I, as far as a movie goes, I wouldn't think of that. Now, if I'm in the convenience store up the street and some guy comes in and starts like, doing that yeah he, he that's violence but <laughs> I, I don't know it's it's like it almost has a different definition when we're talking about a movie yeah so, so you know. i i had this this scene i had uh, uh there were a couple of parts of the scene or there are a couple of elements to the scene that really stood out to me and then i i, I read uh, a quote that i think uh, someone i think maybe bill alluded to or paul uh that i'll that i'll read in a moment because that when i found that quote i was i was kind of struck by how uh, how it resonated with what I I took away from this particular scene. So th the thing for me is okay, yeah. A, it's definitely like the racism. I mean, he's not just uh, he he's not just being violent, but he he is also sprinkling in the extreme xenophobia. He is saying, you know, if you come to our country, you have to learn, you know, our language, uh, which is obviously a very racist, uh, like anti-immigrant thing to say. Uh, but that makes sense for me for the character. So. He says something very interesting that may have just been a throwaway line. Maybe I'm reading too much into this, but to me, it actually spoke to his character. So Michael Douglas, he is, you know, he's a government worker. So obviously he's going to be pretty buttoned up. He's going to, you know, be pretty clean cut. 
But the thing about his appearance, especially early on in this film, before he gets kind of messed up, is he looks like he has stepped out of like the 1960s. Like his yes. the way that they design his, his haircut, hair, his his costume, his glasses. He actually looks like he stepped right out of the, or he's stuck in the 1960s. And that kind of struck me. And then there's also a line in this scene that really struck me because when he's talking about the prices, the line that he has, and I didn't write the exact line down, so I'm kind of paraphrasing, but the line that he has was something like, I'm going to bring the prices back to 1965. And to me, a lot about this movie is... Uh, and this is where I'm gonna get really political, but this really is the, uh, for lack of a better term, the the white rage of a character who feels like he's been supplanted and he wants to go back to a quote unquote, you know, better times where he had all the power and a, an immigrant, uh, you know, an Asian person or a Latino person wouldn't speak to him this way. And the, the thing that struck me and, and correct me if I'm wrong, I don't know if this was the quote that someone was talking about, but the 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 screenwriter was asked about the kind of message of the movie and the 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 quote that i found was uh he said to me even though the movie deals with complicated urban issues it really is just about one basic thing the main character represents the old power structure of the u.s that has now become archaic and hopelessly lost for both of them it's a just or die time and i think that's perfectly encompassed in this scene where he's not just angry about the prices uh, he's not just angry about, you know, the the fact that the the store owner is uh, is Asian and, and an immigrant and the fact that he has power over him. But it's the kind of culmination of all that, plus all the other things that we kind of see in the throughout the movie. Um, so I don't know that that was kind of interesting for me and kind of the takeaway. And I absolutely saw it as like, it's not funny. It's 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 not played for laughs. I actually kind of get the fact that some of the lines are funny and i think that the pro i i hesitate to say the problem with this movie but the thing about this movie is michael douglas is such a good actor that he sells this so well and he plays it as not someone who is a he's a complete nutcase but he often seems perfectly rational and he's often uh, reacting to situations that we've all been in and we've all been frustrated by. Like Alan said, like, I mean, we've all been in a situation where we, maybe we need change or something, or, you know, we, we just need like what we think is a small thing that someone won't give us, but he reacts in a way that is not healthy and that is not normal. And that is not about, stable. How, how old would you say Michael Douglas's character is? I mean, somewhere I, upper forties, probably. Yeah, I think he's. Well, yeah. I know Michael Douglas was was uh, like forty nine at the time, so yeah. Okay, well, yeah. that would actually that would actually be about right. So when you said like you you sort of got the idea that he was stuck in the past, I I sort of got that. But what I got I got that he was sort of stuck in the military, because I've I've sort of met some people like 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 that where they go into the military and when they come out they're kind of they're they're kind of military many many years into into the future you know he sort of kept the yeah kept the military yeah. haircut that's what i got from that you know that's I don't think why he was he, supposed i don't think he was supposed to be in the i don't think he was ever in the military though he just worked for a military contractor he? yeah i, I think was, was, okay oh, he was in the military oh no it was his father it was his father that is that yeah. what it, okay but that's oh, still, yeah. the stuff they yeah. showed in the house it was but that dad. still means he grew up in a military background right I mean, you did get you did get a sense for him that this is a person who values order and the world is much more chaotic than 
people I think imagined it to be back back in the back in the day. So oh, yeah, yeah, you know. Yeah, well, it's not just that it was more chaotic. I mean, the thing for me is always anytime, anytime you hear people reminisce about the good old days in the 50s and 60s, I mean, they're probably white people because life may have been, quote unquote, better for them because uh, it was worse for other people. And they see that as a trade off that they were OK. Oh, that with, is but... true. But they may also be people who like being able to eat fish that you can catch off a of pier. Huh. Well, yeah, it's overrated. Well, but anyway. Well, anyway. Anyway, go ahead, Renee. Oh, go ahead. Yeah, yeah, Renee. We've we've all been talking a whole lot. Right. You have. Uh, I'd like to hear your your thoughts on this. Oh God, well, I feel really bad now because my my thought was that when they first showed him in the car, I thought, oh, he looks like John List. And back in the old day, back in the good old days, people would say like, well, who's John List? And you could say, oh, it's that guy that murdered his whole family. But nowadays, you can't say that because <laughs> there's so many of them. Oh. So, yeah. Sorry, that's my. Uh, Sorry, sorry, everyone. Well, I mean, it was uh, might have actually <laughs> wow. been intentional because well, it, it, the ending of the film, you know, that's but, kind of what I thought too. By the end, yeah, of it, I was like, it was intentional. So, I'm I mean, sure the thing all was wrong, and there. that was around the '60s, right? I mean, I, the thing for me is just ultimately, I, I see where they want to go with his character and what they what they're trying to say. For me, it doesn't it right. it, it the the, the the progression to me, it would for me, it would have worked better if there was more of a progression where you kind of go along with him, where he thinks he's, you know, you know, he's he's semi sympathetic, and as it goes on, it gets less sympathetic, and then you realize, you know, at some point you go full on, he's he's the bad guy, as opposed to the second scene, all of a sudden you're like, well, he's a dick. But so how? Know, so, but okay, Alan, so Paul, gonna... he was Paul was sympathetic with him until the second scene. Who else has <laughs> another spot? Because. Well, there's I other was, points. I where... was sympathetic with him up until, oh my gosh! I mean, I, I lost sympathy for him right at the end, and then got it back at the end. So it's like there was just a very small amount of time where I wasn't sympathetic with him. And I, I was well, like, well, yeah. Alan, Alan, um, I, I, that's that's the thing I think is interesting, and I wasn't sure if it was intentional because you do later on you find you know first you think it's just this guy having a shitty day. Then yeah. you go on, you find out, and I can't remember, I think you find out first that he's separated from his wife and kid, and then you find out that she has a restraining order, and, and then you find out that right. he's lost his job. So as these things go on, but they, you find these things out later in the movie, but at this point, to me, it's been the pat point of real return for this character. I think they implied yeah. well, fairly early on this, If you got by order. the second scene then, being yeah, sympathetic yeah. with okay. him... You would have to get through the next one being sympathetic with him, right? Well, no, no. Yeah. My, my feelings, I mean, no, my feelings for him would fluctuate through the film. I mean, who doesn't want to see him, you know, beat the shit out of and kill the the neo Nazi guy, right? Hey, you know. Sure. So that was, you but, know, the Yaring's like, yay, you know. And then yeah. he, 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 you sit there and you go, well, you know, if the first couple scenes, he he spews some some racist stuff. But then later he's yelling at the old rich white guys too, you know. So you're like, okay, yeah, well maybe he's discuss, not. That's why I didn't really get racism from him. He he pretty much hates anybody he, that you. You literally tell the Asian guy way. that he shouldn't come to his country if he's not going to learn. Right. That is a very racist thing to say. Now, no, that's now, what I'm, well, what okay, I'm saying okay, is, okay, I, I mean, know. if 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 you line up ten people and one of them isn't white and you hate them all, are you a racist? I don't know. Hold on. He he explicitly said that you have to, if you're going to come to my country, you have to learn my language. 
I mean, that that is a... <laughs> he, okay, he, well, he, I mean, that's why I didn't like him. But there were other reasons why he didn't like yes, everybody else. But he's still I racist. Mean, well, being racist yeah. and an asshole is not mutually, yeah, they're mutually not, exclusive. Yeah. You no, can be racist also, and still hate other people. I mean, can, I, can, I point out, <laughs> can I point out something else? The only reason he's in this fix and needs the change is because he was too much of a cowardly dope to talk to his wife when he called her up the first time. He's completely 100% responsible for his own predicament. He's taking it out on this guy. That's very so true. Screw him. And I think I think eventually that's <laughs> that's I think eventually, like we said with the Robert Duvall character, that's that's the that's kind of the point is that these two characters are going through similar shit, not the same. Yeah, but and, and like again, I I like that it's not on the nose. It's not like Robert Duvall's right. been fired. He's retiring. He's retiring because he's he's trying to please his wife. But he, you know, it's not like oh he's divorced too. And this, I mean, it's. It's not on the nose, and I think that's kind of the point, though. Is look, they're very similar. Yeah. They've been through similar things, and Robert Duvall, like you said, kind of handles it in a in a much more positive way. It's it's also than... a really good construction for the film. You were saying, Paul, that it's kind of episodic, and it would be if it weren't for the fact that we keep switching forth between these two characters, and that's a good bridge, you know, so that it's not just he walks into another place and you know hits oh, people true, with yeah. a hammer or something it's you know we we and and then also then we start seeing how duval is putting the pieces together and following him through this very clear trail and of oh, course yeah. everyone's blowing him off what do you know and blah 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 but yeah. um yeah. yeah i just wish it wasn't like it's his last day on the force though that ties <laughs> into it too though, right. right yeah it does because it, the fact he's leaving so it's just like that was kind of like but it was the 90s so that happens a lot but you know at least yeah. they didn't have him being the one getting shot, because that was kind of, that would have been even more force. like cliched. Oh, that's well, right. He eventually decides. Right. To <laughs> but um, that's the sequel where his wife goes ballistic. Yeah, yeah. She yeah, was a I, piece of work. I will say, I will say, uh, uh, as a side note, I think that the cutting back and forth work works really well. I think this is actually a very well constructed film, and I did want to call out because uh, he's he's worked on a couple of other very significant movies. This movie was edited by Paul Hirsch. And you probably have no idea who that is because who knows who the editor is, right? Sure. Well, Paul, Paul Hirsch, Paul Hirsch has edited such films as Carrie, uh, Star Wars Episode 4, New Hope, Star Wars Episode 5, The Empire Strikes Back, Footloose, Planes, Trains, and Automobiles, and one of Paul's all-time favorites, Ferris Bueller's Day Off. Uh, he also edited <laughs> Phantom of the Paradise. So... Uh, wow. no, yeah. That's also not in my favorite list. <laughs> it's a great so, movie. What is wrong with you? It's a very. Uh, it's a. It's, uh, you know, it's it's no microwave massacre, but you know. Oh my god. Oh, Anyways, god, oh my. falling. I think <laughs> falling down, which is the movie we're talking about, is a very well, very well constructed film. Yeah. Um. Again. Think, oh. oh, sorry. Go ahead, Renee. No, I'm sorry. I was just going to say. I think another good thing that kind of bridged the scenes was that every, he took something with him. Uh, from every encounter that he had, yeah, and he kind of right. used that into the next encounter. Yeah. Um, he had yeah. to. It's like he got exactly what he needed. Yeah. The next encounter. Well, I think it's like, like the Legend of Zelda. Yeah. Yeah. I was about to say it's like a video game. You have to have the right <laughs> yeah. item to unlock the the, the next. Oh, level. Zach, can you talk like people into making a video game version of this film just because? Jesus it, Christ. People will yeah. set fire to the building. It'll be I great. was going to say, I'm sure people will love to uh, mm -hmm. make a game where the protagonist is a angry racist white guy. And yeah, yeah I'm sure I'm sure there won't be a million articles about that on uh, video game websites. Anyway, oh, there's no You're such young. thing as bad publicity. Oh, <laughs> I think that actually ties back to something Bill originally said. 
<laughs> Bill, you originally said, yeah. you know, this was not the movie that was sold to you. And I think that was, and that's part of the, 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 the trailers, if I remember, were cut to be like, look, it's a guy fighting back against all yeah. the things we want to fight back against. You know, at, at least that's. Yeah, I, that, I that think was you're the, right. Uh, on the face of it, on the face of it, it looks almost like a like less uh, ridiculous like death wish. Yeah, and so I think that's part of the issue. I mean, um, yeah. Well, do we want to move on and talk a little sure. more about Robert Duvall? Because again, we're introduced or not introduced, but the the next scene that we see him uh, once again, he is uh, kind of similarly in a situation which most people would probably be kind of angry about, which is he, you know, he's, he's, uh, he's retiring. It's his last day on the job. So the guys are pulling pranks on him and, uh, they, they filled his desk drawer with sand, uh, which is obviously kind of a silly little thing, but it's kind of funny because again, like, uh, Michael Douglas is getting angry about silly little things, this entire movie and Pendergrass is just, he laughs everything off. He's, he's taking everything in stride. Yeah. And I mean, what's interesting is also, it's it's also in terms of lack of respect a lot of his a lot of Pendergrass's uh, co-workers actually do not respect him because yes. they they look at him apparently he had been uh shot you know years earlier i'm assuming um and his wife said you need to take basically a desk job cuz she was afraid of losing him because she had lost they had lost right. their daughter and so and so his wife is is damaged from that and so he's like, "Look, I love my wife, and I'm gonna, yeah. I'm, I'm gonna do this because I, I don't care if they can rib me about this." And they, they, they treat him poorly because they see him as, as cowardly. Oh, they um, treat him like shit. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And so it's interesting because again, here he's getting all these things, and and he's been working there. So it's not just one day. This has been going on probably for a while. I mean, he has the he has a couple coworkers that treat him nicely, um, but he has a lot of them that, that basically bully him and yeah. uh, and he like you said he takes it in his stride till till at the very end he's like you know all right it's my last day you know bam and then he reacts a couple times but but not to but restrained i think with you know much more restraint than michael douglas does right yeah well let's let's actually mention one of those co-workers that does treat him pretty well uh, which is Sandra, played by yeah. again. I'm probably mispronouncing this name, but uh, Rachel Tikotin. 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 Please write us, Rachel, if that's important. Please write us, Rachel. Yeah, tell us. Yeah, yeah write us in. Especially, <laughs> especially, please write me in because I'd love to talk about your work in such films as Total Recall and Con Air. Uh, she's been in a lot of great movies. Uh, she's uh, that's still... right, Con Air. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Con Air. She she was in. Uh, uh, Wasn't she also a cop in that one? Uh, yeah, she was like one of the uh, one of the uh, or, or one of the uh, like wardens or whatever, not wardens, but what you she know, was the, one the guards molested by. Um, she was uh, also yeah. in the Sisterhood of yeah. the Traveling Pants Part Two. So, Holy God, yeah. well, which is uh, the film that Ellen always remembers her yeah, from, <laughs> but not the Sisterhood though. She wasn't in the Sisterhood. <laughs> she was not in the Sisterhood. Okay. Uh, listen to all of our coverage on episode I think thirteen of this podcast. Um, but yeah, I, I actually like her performance. I, I, she's she's one of the few uh, like supporting characters that kind of shows up throughout the movie. Um, great actress. I love the fact that she's basically the one person who's not a complete asshole apparently on this uh, police force, and uh, kind of the the one person who starts to believe Robert Duvall a little bit down the line. Um, I was afraid I, at first they were going to reveal that these two were having an affair or mm, something. Oh that yeah, would have been totally creepy. But no, no, they're just good friends because they're good people. Yeah. 
Now, yeah. what do we what do we think about the whole subplot here? We've mentioned her a couple times, but uh, Pender, uh, Prendergrass's uh, wife, Mrs. P- Prendergrass, as she is uh, credited Tuesday Weld. Yes. Tuesday yes. Weld. Yeah. I... If I'm mis- pronouncing Tuesday or Weld, please write this well. <laughs> <laughs> yes. I felt Renee, so bad. Like I felt so bad for her. It was like a hit job on Tuesday Weld because they're like, oh, you know when you don't have your looks anymore. I'm like, damn, y'all. Oh, that's God. Fucked. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah. Oh, but that's deadly. So when they were talking about him not, like when he was working at the desk, all I remember him saying was that he came home late one night and she thought he was a ghost and he had to chase her around the house. Yes. Yeah. And I was like, well, well she's clearly it's, it's, got something going on. Yeah. <laughs> it's actually, I mean, it's kind of sad though, because she, she is basically, uh, you, you do get the impression that she is probably suffering from some sort of, uh, can like some sort of a condition, like maybe some sort of, yeah, I think it's illness. PTSD. Um, it's like, she's obviously. got it worse than he has from being shot. It's she's just so scared that he's well, gonna losing also, the daughter too. Also, yeah, losing yeah. their daughter, I think. Yeah. Yeah. It was yeah. not yeah, which... lost on me that when they introduced her, there was a cat. So you know, that <laughs> no. was kind of fucked up. Let's not be judgy. But I, I it was think so I mean I, rude. Yeah. <laughs> I mean her character is, is... Mr. Peepers. <laughs> Mr. Peepers. That's right. yes. I think they do a good job in terms of for a, a fairly a character with small amount of screen time they do a good job setting up the fact that her character is complex. It's not just, she's just not just, oh, she's the shrewish wife that, that right. like the, mm-hmm. the coworkers think. It's no, she, she, you can see the damage that she's mm-hmm. had, both in the way she acts, the way she said, what she does, and also, like you said, the things that Robert Duvall says. And you, his, his performance of, you get the love of his character for her. Mm-hmm. And her, yeah. you can see her love for him, even though she's she's damaged. She's not being sure she loves him and she's scared about him. She's scared for him. And so I, I think it's actually really kind of an, a neat character. I mean, that's one of the uh, that's one of the things that really works for me, I think. And also a great contrast with how DEFCON or whatever the hell is defense, you know, treats <laughs> yeah. his own ex-wife. How this, yeah. you know, of course, she's not the damaged one in that relationship. Yeah. But. Well, yeah, well, that's, I guess we'll talk about that later. Like how he yeah. does treat her, we don't really know, right? We it's don't like really he... know, but you know, so this is another thing oh. that pretty early on, I decided I didn't like this guy. When we first, I, I think the filmmaker's intention was to have the wife appear to maybe be a little unreasonable, that she has this, uh, you know, restraining order against this guy. Can't yeah, I mean, that's what I got. That's exactly what I got. She never did her. anything. And that would be fine, except that Barbara Hershey is such a good actress that when he calls her, I got that she's terrified of this guy. That this this is it's not just a, a bad a divorce gone bad. I got the pretty strong feeling, which was reinforced later in the film, that there, she had excellent reason not to want him there. Not just because she wants child support or something. <laughs> this guy, there's a reason he's not part of their lives. Mm-hmm. So maybe that was maybe their intention was short circuited by the fact that the actress was just too damn good. It's definitely interesting. I mean, there's there's some I think there's some more commentary there as well in terms of how the the cops blow her off. I mean, yeah. they do, the, the first ones don't. I mean, they at least listen to her briefly right. and they're there for a little bit. But they by by the time they get to the 
the the last cop who she's like well just stop you know three calls in a, a day right. you know it's like holy crap and i think there's maybe some commentary there in terms of how how um domestic abuse uh victims are treated so but you know she said yeah. there was no there was no <laughs> physical abuse that's why i you know right, but it never she was, typically about doesn't the, start that way well they were talking about the restraining order and how you know well the judge wanted to make an example of him but apparently he didn't even get any type of supervised visit that's that's sort of what got me thinking about the uh like i was less sympathetic with her i mean i was sympathetic with her but not as sympathetic as like she was with herself about how you know he should never see the child and and this and that because Oh, I don't know what, I don't remember what it was like in, in that year for um, like visitation. But, you know, nowadays, I, I mean, if, if there had been no record of abuse, I mean, there would have at least been some type of supervised visits, I would think, for him and his child. But I got the idea that he hadn't seen her in, I don't know if they mentioned how long it had been. But, you know, he, I know when, when he sees her at the end, he talks about how big she's gotten. So it must have been, you know, months, months and months. Hmm. Anyway, I digress. <laughs> We still haven't gotten to we haven't gotten to the second incident. Yeah, I mean, do, do we want to move on to? <laughs> yeah, we the, better. The, well, we, we can hit scene? the we can hit some of the other instances. Yeah, I mean, that doesn't. Yeah, yeah, we don't necessarily need to talk about every single scene. Um, I mean, the next the next scene. Now, I will mention uh, one thing that I really love about this movie. I did mention at the kind of at the top how much I love the cinematography in this movie, but the way that they make L.A. kind of a character and they kind of make very clear that the you know la is the backdrop and they do that largely because every single time we see we kind of transition to michael douglas there is this really really awesome crane shot that kind of shows kind of the area that he's in and then it kind of comes down to him and i think that's really effective i think that's really great i think you know there are certain movies that kind of make you really feel like you're in the place that uh that they're set you know there are plenty of movies that are set in la that could really be shot anywhere and this is the sort of movie that like yeah you, you can tell it's shot on location and it feels like they are inhabiting the the space that they are supposed to be so yeah, I, don't know. I, I can't think of another film that made me happier not to live in la maybe the reginald denny film but this would be a close second dang that looks like a horrible place to be yeah it definitely does not present a a very attractive uh idea of la because yeah. Yeah, I guess you basically, yeah, the, the one thing that kind of makes you go back and forth on this character is he's he's obviously a horrible person, but but then he keeps meeting people who are uh, right. just as horrible, if not more horrible than him. And you're like, Jesus Christ. So speaking of horrible people, though, uh, so, yeah, we we next see Defends just hanging out and uh, he is approached by a couple of guys who uh, accuse him of being in their on their turf. And I think this is one of those scenes where you know, it gets a little bit hazy because we like, in well, again, in my opinion, we already know this character is racist and he's an asshole and he's violent. I kind of wish that this scene had been earlier. I kind of wish, like Paul was saying, I, I feel like if yeah, there had I been a ramp up. I think you know that. I don't, I don't know that. What, what, you don't point. know that he's, he's what, which one? No, I, th I, th I think it's okay for us to disagree on this. I think, yeah. that, I think that, but I mean, Alan, understand that some people will find him very racist at this point. But whereas, oh, I, oh believe should, me, I know. I know we that, should yeah. also understand. We should also understand that there are going to be people who don't. I mean, that's, yeah. I, and I think that's to me that's one the the kind of issue I have is. I mean, but I look, but maybe but, that's. A, but anyway, let's let's get back yeah, to. No, wait, what, can I just that, say? I mean, it is yeah. fair to say there are people who will use uh, racial slurs because they're racist, and there are people who use it because that's the way they're going to inflict the most pain 
on this particular individual who's standing in front of them. That this is I'm describing most of Twitter, I might add. Um, you know, that doesn't it's a stupid thing to do because even if you're not an actual card carrying, believing racist, if you use the same terminology, if you fight the same way that actual racists do, it's a perfectly reasonable thing for people to assume you are exactly as they are. But getting look, let's get back to what Zach's what, what you're I, I, let's anyway, get back to Zach. I, would concede, I would, would concede that if he had continued that throughout the movie. But if he did, yeah, he I sort of does that. it here, which is interesting. Um, and that's, let's get back to what Zach was. Zach, what were yeah. you saying about that? Because um, theory is being reasonable. Well, that, that's I think Zach, and that what you're saying is well, that no. I, I think I think I think in this scene, I think that he reacts in a way that is not uh, not completely unreasonable in the sense that yeah, he's kind of defending himself. Like in the previous scene, he was terrorizing someone who mm-hmm. was absolutely no threat to him. In this scene, these guys are obviously a threat to him and are obviously threatening him. And so, yeah, he, he reacts in a way. And, you know, if I didn't if I hadn't seen that previous scene, I feel like I would actually be kind of standing up and cheering for him here um, because obviously he's you know, he is standing up for himself and he's he's not being uh, he's not uh, victimizing uh, defenseless people. He's being bullied. And, the, and who lo- who doesn't love it when a bullied person fights back? And exactly. Sends right. the bullies on the run like the cowards they are. That's great. The this scene, he's perfectly justified, and yeah, it, it is it is a little jarring going from one to the other. But I guess they had to because this would have been too strong a thing to start with, and then go to the Korean gross. That just would. Well, he had to he had to have gotten the baseball bat again. It's the, right. You had yeah the, right the, the, the video game bat. analogy. But I, that's that again. Trade that that's just night. sort of the the issue I have is that that things don't flow as well for me. But yeah. Um, but yeah, it, it also really sold the thing that we we really were led to believe there was something important about this briefcase, and that is one of the best payoffs in the film when we find out yeah. what's been in this briefcase all yeah. along. You're like yeah, because oh. of it. At this point, at this point, we don't know that he's lost his job. And right. at this point, and and Alan, you're saying, well, he's he's racist. You know, he he assaults other people. At this point in the film, we haven't seen that. The only yeah. thing we've seen, you know, if if this is the first time you're seeing the film, all right. you've if seen is that, attack at right. an when Asian he goes over person. The hill and is yeah. In the... yeah. yeah. So so at this point in the scene, we we don't necessarily know these things about him. I mean, yeah. seeing it again, knowing because I mean, I remembered after you know. 20 25 years probably i still remembered the fact oh yeah i bet i remember he, there's something with his family and he's he's lost his job i remember those you know i remember that there are triggers so seeing you it know, a second time it occurs you know. to me he may just not like koreans and when you think about his age that his father may have been fighting in the korean war because in terms of his, yeah. his racist attitudes he act, when you think of all of his interactions with african americans they're all pretty positive you know the the little the little black kid who tells him how to you know do the <laughs> zumba. Yeah, like, um, yeah. The way he gives kind of like a nod of encouragement to the guy who's out in front of the bank with the sign and everything. There aren't right. a lot of African Americans in this film, but um, all of them are portrayed uh, positively. And and also he he's so repelled by the Nazi and everything. So maybe maybe that was a subtle thing that he just has a Korean problem. Not that it that could, you know that excuses it. <laughs> No, no, but that, that I mean, that's that's a that's a good point. But I think back back to the point uh, I think that you're making, Zach, is that for you, this is a more sympathetic scene for him than the the previous scene. Yeah, who and, and would would fit that arc, you know? So, 
Yeah. Well, then we are, then we actually are, I believe, for the first time introduced to uh, his wife, which is when we start kind of getting the other side of him when he's, you know, he's, he's calling her up. He finally gets, gets a hold of her. And we like uh, Bill, I mean, you kind of mentioned that uh, Barbara Hershey, she's a great actress and she really kind of sells this fear of him. And it's not necessarily fear of what he's done, but fear of what he can do. Um, now, I mean, I will say, I think that, you know, the, the question, of course, is, is this a character uh, up until now? We've kind of been led to believe that this is a guy who's kind of flipped, right? He's just a normal, perfectly average nine to five office worker who one day just kind of flipped out. But then yeah. I feel like we when we introduced to her, we kind of realized that maybe maybe he hasn't. Maybe this is actually yeah. kind of who he is. Right. It flips the whole movie. And. And again, that's not the movie that I thought I was led to believe we were going to have. A normal guy who's pushed too far and all of his frustrations come out. He just goes from place to place. It's like, how dare you stop serving lunch at 11.35, which breakfast at 11.35, which would annoy me if the fast food breakfasts were not so absolutely horrifying. But if you like that kind of skill, <laughs> it is annoying that they yeah. instantly just change it right in front of your face. Like, sorry, we just turned the... Uh, egg mick whatever into have you ever worked in fast food bill no god okay well then you would you'd be more sympathetic to these people the the people at the at the mcnaught at the fast food place changing that on time if you didn't yeah we in general yeah but uh yeah so yeah sure i'm I'm sure they're completely different machines i think what's interesting though is the movie you describe is is you know what you thought you were getting I think this is a it's a more complex film. I mean, his character. Which is good. Oh, that's good. Right, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, his... it that way. Right. You know? I mean, why do they do that? My giant because... is like a tragedy, and they they advertise as a comedy. You think people are going to go there thinking they're going to get a comedy? Watch this sad movie, then go back and tell their friends, man, that totally subverted my expectations. I loved it. No one ever says that. <laughs> well, I mean, if they can get people in the in the you know, it's it's a gamble on their part. Hey, we can get I people guess. in the the seats. We don't care about word not of mouth. a sign of faith in your product, though. No, also, I mean, I'd, I'd like to I'd like to point out that we're probably the first podcast in history that has ever featured a uh, my giant reference. So thank you, Bill, for that. <laughs> yeah, always, yeah, always with the, always with the random <laughs> with the random references. Uh, I always <laughs> got my finger on the pulse of today's pop culture. <laughs> I mean, I, I think that's the thing is he, it's a he's you know whether you find the character you know sympathetic or repulsive or both i mean he's i think that's he's a he's a complex character and that speaks a lot to michael douglas i mean the the cast here like we said michael douglas barbara hershey um robert duvall is just i think really nails it so oh great cast uh i will also mention that you know we are uh we are we get a glimpse of uh chekhov's water gun in the scene yes Um, (laughs) i was I was impressed with that because I had forgotten that bit from the very end. And then, yeah. and this, the water gun only registered subconsciously, but when he, when he pulled out, I was like, oh shit, I remember, yeah. you know. No, so it, it was, it wasn't as, like sometimes with Chekhov's water gun, it's very obvious. This yeah. I thought was done subtle enough that you didn't, you know, at least for me. It, it's funny because that's actually, well, I, I remembered a lot in, of this movie. Are, are we in the uh, just, just the scene where, the the scene where he's calling his wife and we finally uh, see her and this is this is uh, well, also we, wait this is so in there there's a couple times he calls her where we see her but she doesn't pick up 
Or she yeah. or he hangs up before she picks he she picks up and he doesn't say anything. Right. There's a couple yeah, scenes like Oh that yeah, first. yeah, yeah. Sorry. Sorry. You're you're actually right. Cause yeah. I think we mm-hmm. I think the very first time we see we he calls, that's where actually we see the water gun for the first time. But uh but yeah, she she uh I, th- I think she mm-hmm. answers, but doesn't. Uh, right. Uh, he doesn't actually say anything to her. Right. right? Yeah, he there's, there's I thought no he did that at least twice before that. I think he does. Right. I mean, there's no way to get that the water gun has anything to do with anything. You would right. Really yeah, but the nice thing is, it's, that it's, point. It's, okay. That's that's the, that's the nice thing. Like that's what I'm saying. Sometimes sure. you know, the whole idea with Chekhov's gun is you know, sometimes it's real glaring. You're like, oh, right, right. You know, we're gonna we're gonna hey, see that. Watch out for that. Again. Watch out for that. Well, there, it hates to have anybody fall into it. Okay, <laughs> right. And then, and you know, <laughs> where, whereas this, it's like it's just it's just there. You don't even really register it consciously. So yeah, yeah, because because yeah, going back that that's actually uh, again talking about the the great sense of place because when we see them, we all we, that we get another one of those great uh, crane shots where. We we see that it's they're like on the kind of boardwalk area, and that's when we first see them. So that's when they kind of establish where they where they live. So yeah, then we then we get the I don't know if if uh, I I'm just kind of going along here. So please stop me if there's anything else uh, anyone wants to talk about. But we also get the scene where uh, the the attempted drive by, and this this I think actually gets to something that that we were talking about a, l- a little earlier. That that I, I think I think I kind of. I think I kind of have a point here where I kind of realized that, you know, someone was saying that they think that, or they thought that this scene earlier was kind of funny. And I think Paul, you said it was kind of awkward that to you, it seemed like it was played for laughs, but it wasn't funny. But the thing is, I think that the, the thing that really registered with me, especially in this scene and moving forward is he, uh, Michael Douglas in this movie is kind of unfeeling, kind of mechanical, and the the fact that he can like see you know he he the, these guys they try to shoot him and then they crash and he goes up to them and he's just very emotionless and he and he's still kind of wisecracking he, he you know says something about you know he shoots the guy in the leg I can't remember what he says but he has like some one liner right. and I don't know I think that's actually it, it's kind of interesting that you know you take that as oh he's making jokes and it's it's terrible that they have this character making jokes but to him. I think that's one of the things that's kind of very unnerving about his character yeah. is because to him, like he's making light of these situations that are actually terrifying, but I almost for like his own amusement and for him, like he's the only, he doesn't really, it's almost that, that sociopathic. Uh, he's a complete sociopath. Yeah. He but, no, but he yeah. has no empathy whatsoever. And no empathy. And he doesn't, right. he doesn't like register. Like, you know, when you make a joke, that's awkward and it doesn't, it, it falls, then you're like, oops, awkward. And he just keeps doing it. And it's almost <laughs> as if he doesn't understand that this, that when he's making jokes, it's actually only making him seem more Am insidious. I wrong, having only seen it once, that when he was getting shot at, did he not just basically stand there while yes. everyone else was being shot yeah, at? Yeah, he, he didn't really know what was went, going on. Right, he was even in that, he was on the phone. Yeah, which I'm like, how does he not get shot? But yeah, because they could, they... Well, I, I can believe that. These guys are bad shots. They watch yeah, they, 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 took, they took out all the people on either side. Ways, so. you know. And it was, it was very much like that scene from Pulp Fiction, but Pulp Fiction hadn't happened yet. So, yeah. I guess they didn't get it from that. <laughs> yeah, I mean, he, he even he yeah. even kind of walks, you know, after everyone on the street is shot, he just kind of walks past them and oh yeah, yeah, when they're rolling on the ground, yeah, he's completely yeah, and he he almost you know yeah he 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 kind of glances at them, but he has no emotional response whatsoever to all of these civilians just being just gunned down in cold blood. So 
I mean, it's almost like, I mean, you know, obviously these guys are murderers, and but then it's like, man, it's like he's pretty much as cold blooded as them because well, he until he actually walked up to them, until he walked up to them and told them that you know you missed, I didn't, I didn't even realize that he knew what was going on. But that yeah. sort of lets you know that yeah. yeah, okay, he did know that he was getting shot at. But I'm, I'm again, I'm not really sure it registered while he was on the phone. You know, he saw all these people like dropping, and he heard this noise, but. I'm not really sure he realized they were shooting at him. I mean, maybe, maybe, but I, I don't know. I didn't get that. I mean, obviously he knew that after he saw who it was and he, yeah, you know, took their guns and shot them and everything. Oh, but. damn. Did this guy level up or what? This is like uh, playing uh, advanced D&D on the Intellivision <laughs> when you find a treasure box. He went from a baseball bat to a knife that he couldn't even figure out to the biggest bag. I don't think he used the same gun once for the rest of the movie because yeah. he, he had an infinite supply of them there yeah Good uh, also the the first reference to D and on the intellivision i think it's ever been made the so greatest game ever the Perfect. only damn reason to get in television was advanced D. anyone out there from uh, who played it knows what i'm talking about i'm with you my brothers now now i've just come to the realization that i want to play real D D with bill because that sounds like a hoot uh oh, renee you've been incredibly <laughs> quiet <laughs> sorry uh, uh, Renee, uh, you've been very quiet. I know we've been talking a lot. Do you have any thoughts, or should we move on? Uh, um, <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> a lot of thoughts, but they're they're all pretty well passed at this point. Um, you know, oh, so, well, I'll just interrupt. Oh, that's okay. Yeah. Um, it was just there was just a lot happening with there was just so much symbolism, and it was almost exhausting at this point. Um. And yeah, yeah. <laughs> I was just, I was just exhausted. <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, do you have any specific things you want to like talk? I mean, we, we are, we are more than happy to go back if we missed some. Important, um, uh, you know, I, I thought, you know, it was interesting going all the way back when he was talking to the guys in the field that he was like sitting on a throne of stairs and, you know, elevated above them and mm. the whole Wow. Yeah, and yeah. interesting. Well, thanks. Yeah. Um and it, it, a lot of stuff was like you just can't be here or like you know, it's a lot of territorial stuff which kind of I know, just bear with me. But it kind of reminded me of like old school like when the you know, settlers came over and you know, taking things and and how, you know, we don't want people passing through our shit and you know if those guys were sitting in somebody's yard they probably would have had the cops called them and probably been shot and i thought it was interesting that he didn't want to give them the briefcase which i don't know if it would have just if they if he gave it to him maybe he could have walked away maybe not i don't know um but well, i thought it was, was a, interesting I think that was a power thing right well yeah right because later yeah. Yeah. with the crackhead he just There's handed no it off to that dude so it's yeah yeah like, I don't need yeah so well, well no but that's that's yeah because even then though that's a power almost a power move because it's like almost fucking with him well yeah. right yeah, yeah yeah um so i don't know yeah there's just a lot a lot of stuff yeah that's a good point zach i hadn't thought of that but that you're absolutely right i mean in that one in the one they're demanding something from him and he just you know they have no right to it so they have no right to demand it and the other one the guy's like i can sell it i can do this i can do that and the guy's like hey yeah sure yeah. sell whatever's inside there is <laughs> but he didn't need it yeah. either yeah, time he knew what was in it the entire right. time he could have just been like fuck it it's a yeah. sandwich and an apple take it 
I don't give a shit. Well, it's 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 also it's almost like a it, it sort of continues his split with re- reality. In the in the first scene, it's kind of first you know it's just started. Mm-hmm. So it's like, well, hey, you know, I need my briefcase because I'm going to get my job back. And by the by the time he gave it to the the guy in the park, you know, it was kind of like, you know, I'm kind of leaving this life behind and I need this other bag now, not this other one. So Ooh, I, don't know. I yeah. had never really thought about that until yeah, now. I didn't, I didn't I didn't I didn't think about true. that when it was going through it. I just, you know, I was just kind of thinking he's like, well, I'll just get rid of this guy. It's like there's nothing in it. And on that scene, I just I don't I don't know if they shot it multiple times, but when they threw that, when he threw the apple and it like hits his <laughs> yeah. foot, I, I don't know. I just thought that was great. And it's like, did they shoot that 50 times or did that? Shauna asked the I exact know. same thing. Do you think they, <laughs> do you think they meant for that to happen? I was like, it looked too real and random. For yeah. Sure. Well, I don't know. I mean, I just think it's, I just think they shot it three times. And they're like, Hey, the apple almost hit him that time. Let's try it when the apple hits oh, him. Okay. And then they shot it another seven times until the <laughs> apple actually hit him. And they're like, yeah, that's the one we're going with. I like well, that. No, it's not CGI because this was 1993. So. Yeah. yeah, I like that. That's a great, a great I, point of why he did that. You know, that he realized like, okay, I have nothing at this point. Game over. <laughs> it's yeah. too far gone. Well, R- Renee, do you have any other uh, insightful notes? Because <laughs> I... Now, now I regret not hearing, not uh, asking okay. you earlier. Uh, yeah, these are all, this is the all last, cool. The last thing, yeah. only thing I thought of up to this point is that it's so typical if you think of him as like that whole male patriarchy thing that when the guys did the drive-by, he was completely unscathed. Every person that got shot was a minority or a woman, and he walked away completely unbothered yeah. the exact same way that really the government does when any sort of war is taking place. Um, yeah, that's it. Right, but he was in like wasn't where was he was like in Chinatown or something or where was he? Uh, I forget I mean, that neighborhood. But like I remember everybody them saying was a something minority, but he was the only white person there wherever he was I mean, at. He, he was, he, he was in like a Latino area, but yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, hey, do we want to move on to the next scene where we actually learn a little more about uh, how apparently <laughs> all of the other? I mean, we kind of got a sense before because they, you know they were kind of playing a prank on him. But uh, we start to realize that everyone actually kind of disdains uh, Prendergast. And the, the, the next scene is, I, I guess, is it what is he? The captain, I think he is basically giving him the farewell speech, although we kind of get the sense that even though Prendergast has worked there forever, he doesn't really know a lot about him or really care about him. Yeah, he's a jerk. <laughs> he does it yeah, well. He's a, he, yeah, he, he's a jerk. He, I mean, he basically, you know, he says something like, you know, uh, how are the kids or something, which if obviously because he lost a, a daughter is actually kind of offensive. I don't know. I thought this was kind of an interesting scene because we and we we also get a follow up later where uh, he's he's actually just straight up an asshole to him. But yeah, I don't know. We kind of start learning that this this guy is a bit of a joke on the force. And even though we see that he's putting together the clues and he's probably going to be, uh, you know, being the uh, one of the top build characters, probably going to have a showdown with Michael Douglas at some point. Uh, spoiler alert! But the so we're, we're kind of seeing him as a hero who's kind of, uh, you know competent policeman, but all the other cops are kind of laughing at him. Well, again, I, I think because we've already kind of said it, it ties yeah. in with this whole par- you know, parallel and contrast with him and and uh, Michael Douglas's character. I mean, he's somebody who's getting no respect, and he's he's it's not that he's silently taking it; it's because he's like, look. I know my reasons. I know who I am. I I know who I, my I 
I, I, I'm not defined by you. I'm not a coward that you think I am. I know I'm not. I know the reasons I'm doing this because right. I love my wife and I, I want to, you know, help her. And, and he's a balanced individual as opposed to imbalanced. So he's not pistol whipping the guy who cuts in front of him in line at the bus station. Yeah. Right. Right. Yeah. Exactly. So that's. Um, I think. I think it just all speaks to that. That whole. That whole again. Just the, the compare and contrasting between the two characters. Well, do we want to kind of go through the next couple of encounters then that uh, that Michael Douglas has? Uh, I think I think we've kind of covered, you know, we're intercutting between Prendergast and him and uh, his his wife as well as she is, try, you know, trying to convince the cops unsuccessfully that he's a threat. Um, but I think that, you know, we've we've kind of talked about the fact that the thing that people really remember from this movie are all the various encounters that uh, defense goes through before the kind of climax of the movie. So I don't know. Do, do we want to just kind of talk about some of those and uh, the ones that kind of stood out to us? We can hit some of the highlights because there's some some minor ones that, that you know, it's just uh, as he's passing. So, yeah. Well, uh, one thing, I you know, I love talking about all the various actors that show up in movies. And um, one I did want to call out was, uh, so I don't know if you remember when he's about to get on the bus in, I think it's the next scene, and then he actually kind of changes his mind and goes back. But then there's the construction guy who says that he can't, uh, you know, I think the, the sidewalk is under construction or something. Do you guys know what, do you guys remember what I'm talking about? When he had the laundry? Do, do you mean the one where he actually, where it's right as he gets off the bus or the one where he shoots the missile? No. Yeah. The one, the one where, where he gets right, gets right off the, the bus. bus. Yeah. 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 That so was, I just wanted to, oh yeah, no, I, I just wanted to call out that, that construction worker, uh, again, another LA working actor. Uh, played by James Morrison, who would actually go on to be in a lot of uh, pretty significant TV roles. Uh, did it, anyone here watch uh, Twenty Four? Oh no! Uh, he was yeah. He was Bill. He was Bill Buchanan on Twenty Four. And also, if you're a fan of really? Twin Peaks, he played uh, Warden Dwight Murphy in Twin Peaks: The Return, <laughs> which is the new series. So yeah, I thought it was kind of funny. He showed up, and I was like, man, he looks really familiar. But, you know, he's kind of he had his like his uh, like his whole get up on. So I was like, I don't know. He looks kind of familiar. Yeah, he's, he's been in tons of stuff. Um, he's also had a small role in Jarhead, but he's done like a billion TV roles. So I don't know. I thought that was kind of funny. He's also in uh, one of my favorite forgotten uh, 90s TV shows, Space Above and Beyond, if anyone remembers that. So, yeah, I don't know what else. Uh, let's, let's just let's just open it up. And what else do people kind of kind of want to talk about or do, do we also do we want to talk about his, the the next encounter as michael douglas is walking through the park and he gets uh he gets he has an encounter with uh i, I believe the character is credited as seedy guy <laughs> in park uh who who again i'm gonna i'm just gonna ramble on here um unless anyone else wants to interrupt me uh cd guy in park is actually played by yet another actor uh who has like a hundred and plus uh roles john fleck uh he also <laughs> appeared in such films as howard the duck and the naked gun two and a half <laughs> he's been in just like billions and billions of things he's got one of the funniest lines in the movie where you know i haven't eaten in three days while he's literally holding yeah, yeah. yes except for this <laughs> he's, he's he's a really good I, I really like him he's a really good actor i've seen him in a lot of stuff he was also in uh, he's also in the uh, the pilot for Babylon Five, if uh, if anyone oh, remembers okay. that show. Yeah. Um, but most importantly, let's just be honest. Most importantly, two years after this movie, he would go on to star in I say star co-star appear in like one or two scenes of uh, one of the greatest films of all time. Uh, played the Doctor in Waterworld. <laughs> of course. So. 
All right. Well, let, let, we kind of actually we talked about like the the content of the scene though in terms of yeah. really because yeah. the whole payoff is what's actually in the briefcase. Yeah. You know? So I mean, that's I think that's sort of the point of his character at this point is is that kind of payoff of you know it's it's just and at that point had we found out that he had lost his job or had we not I can't remember. Uh, I don't go to the mom's house. Yeah. Yeah. Now, as you know, I always like to share my childhood memory moments here. Does anybody know what kind of sandwich it was? Bologna? I have no idea. But whenever I I see... (laughs) No, whenever I see a sandwich, like like somebody is, you know, a kid is taking a sandwich to school or somebody's taking a sandwich to work, I always think it's a banana sandwich. Because what? when I was like in oh. kindergarten, that's what I would take for lunch was a banana, sandwich. A banana sandwich. And that's what I, and oh, so anybody a, who takes their lunch in a movie, I always think it's a banana sandwich. It's not a, not a peanut butter and banana sandwich, just a banana sandwich. Nope. Well, mayonnaise. You put mayonnaise on it. I guess it's a Southern thing, but yeah. Oh. Okay. Okay. Wait a minute. Wait, I got to ask. Okay. Do you oh. like, do you s- uh, smear the banana soft on, or you're cutting it into little circles, and the mayonnaise circles, so it'll circles stick. doesn't oh matter. My. Okay, well then the mayonnaise makes sense because otherwise they'll just fall out and you'll look stupid. No, Her. you put peanut butter on. Well, there. Yeah, that's, good that's lord, yeah, not even butter, peanut butter. Well, obviously, peanut but butter. I, I'm, even go-to thing. I'm not sure it would have been a banana sandwich because I want to say in the briefcase there was an apple, a sandwich, and what was the other thing? Was it a banana? I for some reason thought there was a banana, because, but because I just. Yeah, because let me tell you, you would never carry a banana sandwich and a banana. That would be weird. That would be weird. I think we're getting away from the point. (laughs) Aside from showing the fact that that the that the briefcase meant nothing, I think it was it was a clue that he he no longer had his job because it was an empty briefcase. If we at this point we hadn't learned it already. Then it's that was when I first thought this guy doesn't have a job here. Yeah, right, because it's like okay, he's not caring i have to say know, though that reminds i'm so sorry that reminds me of a moment in the house when they were like he lost his job and she's like where has he been going where has he been eating his lunch and i you know i assume he's been eating his lunch on like gangland on the rocks and stuff but it is a good question where has he been going for a month i mean i i you know i don't know to the park i guess yeah. But that just kind of feeds into the whole, you know, uh, you know, um, falling down. I mean, it's it's not like this is the first day without a job, without his job, and he snaps. It's been a month, you know. So he's been, and and you know that that construction probably just didn't start that day either. So he's probably been stuck in that traffic a few times. Maybe he's been. Maybe he was in that tra- in that traffic for a month. Maybe that's where he's been. <laughs> um, if you've ever been to LA traffic, yeah, you know it's pretty bad. Um, speaking of feeding into things, uh, you know he gave his lunch away, so now he uh, he's a little bit hungry, and uh, I kind of want to. We've obviously touched on it, but uh, I do want to talk a little bit about the Whammy Burger scene because, again, it's it's a really great scene. I think that it is a, a great example of you know Michael Douglas maybe being a little more charismatic than this character deserves, but it's it's also just a very terrifying sociopathic uh, instance of you know he's he's basically holding a gun on an entire a restaurant full of people and he doesn't really seem to understand why they're yeah. so afraid of him. Which again is like a Pulp Fiction thing. There's there's you know there's another one. Yeah, but yeah, Pulp yeah, Fiction wasn't. Mm-hmm. Pulp Fiction was 
wasn't, I think, as as serious as this one. You know what I'm saying? This is it, right. it's a, it, but, I mean, it was like exactly the opposite. I know we, we, you know, right. I uh, mean, I, Samuel L. Jackson is just he just keeps eating. He don't care. I mean, I, I we kind of talked about this, guys. You guys have mentioned that you feel that maybe the humor wasn't it wasn't meant to be humorous. It was meant to be uh, his character thinking it's humor. But I, I still think, especially the way the 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 manager and the the counter worker say their lines and how they act to me it really feels like they're trying to go for a comedic moment here which again just really plays really badly considering the history of what had happened so right that, and so, I mean, so to me get... that it's it's like okay oh, I, I didn't get comedy from from this well you know like you know like bill said when the little kid raises his hand and but I, I I didn't get comedy. I got, you know, the whole thing about how you're frustrated that because I, I again maybe it's just I can relate to these things. But I've I've, you know, I would always get up late, and you know I've missed that breakfast window back when they used to do that. I've missed that by like two or three minutes, many times. So I can relate to that. I didn't have a gun or anything going in and shoot people up. But um, and but but the other thing, so I could relate to that. The, the other thing was, I didn't, the, I got that this was more of, you know, he's kind of turning to the point where what he is doing is kind of rational almost in his mind, but it's affecting other people negatively. And he doesn't really, it's like, he doesn't really get that. It's like, oh, oh no, yeah. you know, I'm sorry. I, I, I don't mean for this to happen. I don't mean for this to affect you negatively. I'm just having you know, like this bad day or something. So he's, he's yeah, he's so oblivious to everyone else's everyone like, else. Yeah, like how yeah, other people well, are going to perceive it. Is, you know? Well, I think you guys, one of you guys mentioned earlier is, is utter lack of empathy. So yeah, that yeah. that's the thing. I mean, that's exactly that's exactly kind of what I'm saying though. Is like yeah, he's he's such a sociopath that he doesn't really understand even why people are reacting the way they are because. He just has he, he just doesn't have empathy. I mean, he just he is a sociopath. So And it doesn't help that the gun goes off. Right. Yeah. It, it, it's yeah. a well, hair trigger, as, you know. <laughs> but you know, that's actually all how I look yeah. at somebody who accosts uh, fast food workers is that they are sociopaths. Oh yeah. Because yeah. uh yeah. He he goes to, to use to use a slur, he goes full Karen on them. The customer's yes, always right. You know, actually, like, he really does. He it's um, just like, oh, can man. I speak to the manager? Yeah, I just had a total Karen. Yeah. yeah, but you yeah. know, I've seen I've seen the scene in real life without the gun. Mm -hmm. I mean, <laughs> it happens over and over, and it's never funny. But like me as a bystander, it's like, you know, and you look at both sides of it. You look at the person behind the counter and the person in front of the counter, and it's like. Which one of these people is going to come to their senses and, and realize that, you know, escalating this situation is not worth it on any level? And they never do. <laughs> so anyway, I don't know. I, I think nuggets. that's. Um... What's that? What's that? Chicken nuggets. <laughs> that's, <yeah. laughs> well, I, I just I actually... like I said, as a as a former fast food worker. It, there's reasons that they have the cutoff times. You know, it, it takes a long time to prep things. You cut it off. I mean, sure, we can. You want us to make a an egg McMuffin for you? You're gonna have to wait 20 minutes while I defrost stuff because we've we don't have any left because we we you know have a limited time we can get these things done. So, 
And I wasn't even thinking about that. I was just thinking about the people that go into fast food restaurants and get into arguments with the people behind the counter. Mm. It's just, I can relate to that. Not because I do that, but I have, like I said, I've been there when people do that. And it's yeah. just, it's, it's, oh my gosh, this is so, it's just it's, so it's crazy. not worth having, not worth having. Right, that. exactly. I mean, there's onions on your cheeseburger. Oh my, uh, you know, we can fix it. We can, we can fix that. He changes his damn mind gets the lunch after all so i mean yeah, you know, right. once yeah. again once again this is a, a problem of his own making yeah exactly now if he wanted to shoot those people who go to mcdonald's stand in line for 10 minutes you're right behind him of course and then when they get up there they suddenly start thinking what do i want oh, what do you have yeah. it's like it's mcdonald's they've had the same thing since 1960 He'd have my full sympathy then. Oh, oh, absolutely. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, or you get someone who goes to McDonald's like, I'd, I'd like a, a, a Whopper, please. It's like, uh, yeah. oh god, <laughs> go away. Now, I do, I do kind of want to mention uh, two of the, uh, the, the actors in the scene. Um, I, I do kind of like the scene because, like the, the, the comedy before he pulls out the gun. Um, I do love the woman at the counter, uh, <laughs> Sheila played by uh, Dee Dee Pfeiffer, who's apparently Michelle Pfeiffer's younger sister. Um, I do love that how she's actually seems to be like enjoying the fact that he's yes. arguing with her mm. manager. And, and she like, she even has that line where he's like, Oh yeah, what uh, I'm calling you, uh, you know, I'm calling you by your first names and I call my, you know, my boss, Mr. Something. And she's like, Oh, you can call me, you know, Miss So-and-so. Um, I don't know. I, I actually really like the, yeah. And uh, yeah, I mean, that's, she's unfazed by the gun. Yeah. Like I see this every day. It was you know? funny. Cause I thought for a moment, I was like, is she supposed to be amused or is she just a terrible actress? Cause yeah. she was like smiling. The I whole wasn't time. sure. I wasn't yeah. sure. She seemed a little bit yeah. amused. Um, yeah. I, yeah. I, I also want to mention the, the, uh, the manager is uh, played by uh, Brent, Brent Hinckley. Who I always recognize uh, as uh, he's one of the police officers in Silence of the Lambs. Uh, he's also in Ed Wood and one of the early episodes of the X Files, which I love. So I actually love him. He he shows up in a lot of stuff, but yeah, he's I, been I in love some his sitcoms too. He always plays yeah, a funny guy. <laughs> yeah, he's done a lot of TV. Uh, I I love his I love his role. I mean, he's 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 a little over the top in this because he's obviously supposed to be an asshole, but and he's kind of a smarmy asshole. So. I don't know what what else what 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 next what what other scenes grab people uh, that they want to that they want to discuss. Well, there's more the Nazi there. one. I mean that that goes on for a while. That's yeah. who, who played the Nazi because he was really good. Oh, Frederick yeah, Forrest. Uh, yeah, yeah. Frederick Forrest. Uh, so he had been. I mean, he, he's a, once again uh, an actor that had been in like a million things. He had been. I, I actually don't know because it's been a long time since I watched the movie, but uh, so I don't know the role. Uh, but he was in Apocalypse Now. He was in The Conversation. He was in Lonesome Dove. He has a lot of uh, like kind of uh, high profile uh, uh, credits. I, I don't know. Again, I, I don't know if he was uh, how prominent he was in those uh, those role in those movies. But but yeah, so he's he's uh, obviously a, another scene that makes you kind of feel a little bit. I don't know. It makes you kind of Pretty sympathetic. Jeez, he's about to be raped by a Nazi and he kills him. I, I, yeah, if I were on yeah, the jury. Yeah, exactly. I would. I, Go and as far as the plot or the framing him, what I got from this scene is that it's sort of like, you know, if, if you've watched these other scenes and you think whatever you think of, of the Michael Douglas character, this sort of reels him in a little bit. It's like, okay, he's not like a Nazi, 
he, you know, it, I don't know. It's like he's got these, you know, he's got some boundaries, and I don't know. It's, it's like they're kind of defining, you know, yeah, some of these boundaries. He's surprised I, I, that this guy thinks he's one of them. He's he's appalled. Yeah, that this guy thinks he's a kindred spirit. Yeah. This this scene almost felt like it was I don't know it, it almost felt like it was a one Forced. of those scenes yeah it, it almost felt like maybe like you know one of the executive producers was like hey this hey. character is actually too unlikable we need to put in a scene another scene here in the middle here where we kind of root for him and the obvious thing is always you know it's always shorthand if you have a character killing a Nazi you know that they're a good guy right. so well now as far as um, bit characters were the the guys that were in the store were they. Anybody famous? I, uh, I don't think so. Them. No, I, I don't. I think just so. I think I looked them up and. I, I mean, for me, I, I, this it was just that part was sort of over the top because when the guy like confronts him, you know, he's saying all these things about um, about gay people. The guy when he comes up, I mean, the guy is wearing this tank top that is completely open and he is completely oiled, and it's like, where did you come from? I mean. You are, you are completely, he's, he's on, he's in <laughs> LA, you know, he, maybe he was on Did the Did you not see the guy? I, I will admit, beach. I have not, I have not been to LA, so I don't know if people are well oiled oh, all the time. I just feel like Venice Beach is not a great place to be an anti-gay Nazi in terms of, you know, keeping a good clientele. It's, I, it, is, I, I it just was, seems a little well, forced yeah. that he's being openly homophobic in, in clearly the wrong place. I was kind of surprised. When this guy walks in, you know, but. I was kind of surprised at the guy's reaction because it, it, I would think that they would have known that this guy was a little off his rocker and he still, you know, like, I don't know, turns over a couple of things. I would think the guy might shoot me if I was that. Yeah. I'm a little surprised that, you know, the guy kept coming forward and, and knocked over the thing when the guy's got a gun, you know, safety tip when a crazy person has a gun pointed at you you just walk away go get the cops or something but you know you, you don't yeah I mean, well i, I think it, I, I think it actually goes back to what you were saying though bill because i think that the reason that he's being so outwardly like homophobic in this scene is because he does see a uh, kindred yeah. spirit he because i and i think part of it also i mean like when he sees michael douglas and again just the way that he presents himself as this very, very kind of clean cut 60s style guy. And for some reason, you know, he immediately sees him as kind of that, that kindred spirit. And it's kind of the, the same thing. It's like, well, he you know, also knows if you're what he's a bully. Been doing. But because right, he's yeah. been listening to that police scanner. So he knows. Uh, he, oh, yeah. He puts yeah, 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 that's yeah. That's true. That's, yeah, that's true. That's yeah, true. So yeah. he's like, oh, you're, you're one of us. You're, you're a rebel is what he thinks he is. You know, or yeah. you know, you're. That's very true. Yeah, yeah. Or in, even if it's not, even if it's not like a racial thing, like it's it's a you know he's obviously like anti-government and anti-police and all that. So so yeah, I don't know. It, it to me that was kind of the the reason he was being so over the top. It's like if you see someone else that is that you know if you're a bully at, but you see a bigger bully, you want to impress that person by showing them what a bully you are, and that's just what he's and he, doing. I, I, he was a it was a great piece of act. I mean, he was. I really bought that this guy, he was really into like his, he's like, he's oh. like, this was actually used. I mean, Oh shit. When he pulls he, up the Zyklon V. Yeah. Oh my yeah. God. Yeah. That was, <laughs> I mean, it, it's, it's interesting. Again, this is one of those, those, those scenes that it needs to be where it is in the story in order for him to get the things he needs. But again, in terms of how we feel about this character, unless that's the intention to kind of, take your 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 feelings about the character back and forth wow he's a he's he's a horrible dangerous piece of shit oh wait 
he killed a Nazi. Like you said, Bill, you know, it's the save the cat moment. Uh, <laughs> kill the Nazi moment. So, yeah. you know, Maybe it's, that's what it should be called. Yeah. You know, like, the question you know, is, I'm sorry. Um, oh, so that's why it's, it doesn't quite work for me because it just kind but of, on, you know, on that same level, I mean, he sort of had to, because I mean, he was going to kill him or, or I don't know, do something to him. Right. I mean, well, yeah, yeah. But in terms of where it's placed in the story and how, but again, it's the, that acceleration of the story. Alan too. keeps bringing up all these Tarantino things and everything. Isn't this a lot like <laughs> yes, the scene in Pulp yes. Fiction? All he needed was a gimp in the back. And a gimp. Yeah. If there was a gimp. Yeah. <laughs> But Pulp Fiction came out like a year later. I'm, I'm sure it was yeah. already written by this point. Oh well, great minds think alike. Yeah, I, I I do think this is this is one of the best like performances of a minor character in the movie because yeah he 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 definitely and it's not just the fact that he's saying terrible things. It's like like you said like the fact that he's getting excited. Like he says he's talking about the Zyklon B, and it's like the fact that he's like getting excited about that almost and it's just very very unnerving um so yeah i i think this is a fantastic performance of, of a thoroughly disgusting character right and, and how and it's also interesting how quickly he switches after yes. michael michael douglas reacts to him the way he does where he just completely you know the way he switches and then cuffs him wants to cuff him and and so forth so yeah and we'll see. What did did he pick up anything from the shop? On the he got the suit. Yeah, the bazooka. Did he, get... he got the bazooka. That's right. Okay, that and that was in the and, back. And the, and okay, the bazooka and also the clothing. He put on yeah, the, the clothing, the, the yeah. clothing as well. Right, but the bazooka was what was in the back that he got. Right, right. I mean, that was yeah. like the clothes were in. Okay, because <clears throat> I knew that he got something there. For some reason, I blanked on it being that bazooka. But that bazooka was cool. You can jump forward to when he uses the bazooka. Um, yeah. And 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 there again, it's just there's it's like the whole thing just needs to be a little tweaked to me. Like his conf his conf confrontation with the 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 construction worker, and he's like, "You guys are doing this." It's like this is just you know, this guy is just a freaking worker. He doesn't make the decisions. He's not the one who planned this. He's not the one you know. He's just freaking doing his job and he's accosting him and then the guy's like oh yeah you know you're right we're really not doing anything like yeah, he just wanted him to admit it no no that's that yeah yeah i actually i, I actually like that scene because that that to me oh, we're talking about the karen thing like that to me is actually like that actually rang very true <laughs> because again like get, someone who just wants to blame someone and not just to blame someone though like he wants the validation uh he wants to hear that he is right and that's right. really all that he wants. He wants the validation of someone saying, yeah, you're right. No matter what crazy thing you're spouting. See, in this scene, in a, yeah, you're right, Zach. Minus the bazooka. This scene is <laughs> extremely relatable for almost everybody. I was, I can relate to the scene today. Except, again, except he's being a dick. And the thing is, again, well, to me, it's the scene about how is the, he scene, wants... the scene is played for laughs. A, a little yeah, kid yeah. coming up and tell him how to use well, yeah. the bazooka, and then, oops, I accidentally shot it. Whoops. <laughs> and whoops, look at that big explosion. <laughs> I mean, I just, to me, it, no, that's what I it felt like. It was just today, or it was yesterday, I was driving down the street. I was going to my sister's house, and I'm going through downtown, and there are, there are, uh, there's five construction workers <laughs> standing at they they were redoing the sidewalk and they were all just standing there and all I could think about was that scene in falling down. 
I'm like, what are you doing? There's nothing wrong with the sidewalk. I didn't say this, but you know, I mean, you think those things. It's like, I, I mean, well, there's there's infrastructure underneath the streets, by the way, and the sidewalk. Yeah, you know, yeah I was thinking of the infrastructure over. underneath the streets. No, I mean, I think about that all well, the time. Well, you should. I, you know, I, I mean, can't be alone in this. Why are they ripping you can't up this blame road? Those the road people, was fine. They're doing their job. I'm not blaming them. They're doing their job. He was right, though. You really do. But everybody have to, like spend a budget. So you can everyone. Yeah, I mean, everyone. Yeah has questioned why True. they are doing some construction somewhere they're trying to drive absolutely through. right 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 but, but i, I think, mean come on i i think i think though that this this gets to the fact that like his character he is always looking for someone to blame and someone specific to get mad at like yeah we all get mad at the the construction we get mad at the fact that you know there there are things like that that are outside of our control, but they are also like none of the people who are sitting like, like even the foreman, if you, if you go down to the, to the construction site or whatever, the, the you know, the road construction that, you know, the foreman down there, he's still, you know, 20 levels below wherever those decisions are made. Right. So like, right, yeah, but, but he's, 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 he doesn't care about that. All he cares about is getting the validation of <laughs> someone to yell at and someone to tell him that he's, he's right. And that, yeah, they're 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 not actually doing anything. Yeah, it's not and, true. And we, well, we, again, I don't have a problem it. with the content of that. It's it's the tone of that scene. Yeah, to me, I, and that, I, that's the problem I have. I think without, I mean, I'm just beating a dead horse. It's just tonally, <laughs> yeah. tonally, it, things just don't necessarily work for me in this. I I, I, I got to admit, I, I got to admit, I I I actually wish like if they had taken out some of the other kind of comedic moments in this movie. And left the kid. I actually would have been okay with that because I actually kind of like that. <laughs> I, like I kind of like the kid. Yeah. Well, no, I was just gonna say we've watched some movies with some bad acting, right? I mean, but the construction worker. <laughs> I, I mean, I I buy his. Uh, I mean, I buy his acting. I mean, he he actually looks scared when he pulls out that bazooka. And the kid, it's it's not like they got some kid off the street that was just like reading his lines. I mean, I really yeah. bought that kid's performance. I, well, I mean, yeah, I, don't, kid, I don't know the, who he was, but it, well, I mean, both the of those kid, good actors. The, I, I'm actually kind of surprised that that kid wasn't in more. So the kid was played by Valentino D. Harrison, who has exactly uh, two film credits, this and Boys in the Hood two years <laughs> earlier. So, uh, yeah, he's apparently in some very well-received films, and uh, who knows what he's doing now. But, Valentino, if you're listening, uh, we loved your, <laughs> your performance, and please, we'd love to have you on the podcast. Uh, yeah, send us an email. Tell us where you got the bike. Down. Just yeah. just one more thing about the scene is the other thing that stood out to me was when he shoots it, he shoots it down the covered the covered conduit because that way they don't have to have the the rocket actually fly across visually. They can right. just go, "Oops, I shot it down the oh the tube," God. and it just happens to go all the way down and blows up down that way. That way, they didn't have to do a visual effect or have you know, something flying across the way. Brilliant. Brilliant. That it, it took me out of the moment, either. man. I, it took me out of the moment. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, but it did. That's how you know it's fake, because in real life, fake? you just shot what? it, shot it straight at the what did he call it? The the yellow monster. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Or he would have shot at the ground and blown up, and that would be the end of the yeah, movie. Right. <laughs> killed himself. Yeah, in the I pain. actually, I actually, actually kind of jumped when he did fire it, because all I was thinking is, you're pointing this down at the ground, you're going to blow yourself. And more importantly, these poor kids. Up. Yeah. And then all of a sudden it went off and I was like, ah! <laughs> yeah. yeah, we're kind of uh, yep. getting into fantasy time there. So what What other, the other, well, the only, and maybe I'm missing one, but the only other two that I wrote down is uh, 
I don't know, whatever we call them, like the episodic moments were where he was um, at the golf course and when he was at the plastic surgeon's oh, the house. Course. Forgot about the golf course. Yeah. 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 So another, you know, a jerk at the golf so course. So golf course. And I he, mean, more, he's more sympathetic legal. or less sympathetic? Oh, less because, I mean, okay, the guy's a jerk, but he's the kind of jerk you meet all the time. And if you're the sort of person who, when a person like that, I'll, I'll agree. Shooting a hitting a golf ball toward you is dangerous. But that aside, um, <laughs> if you're the sort of person who, when that person is dying of a heart attack in front of you, you're smirking and laughing and taunting him about it. I'm sorry yeah. to break the news, but you're a bad person. That is true. But I will say, no, golf courses are dumb. See, I, yeah, I didn't get it. Oh, yeah, I, didn't, I didn't get it. I, 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 didn't, I, I, didn't, I didn't get that I think from the scene. And the reason I didn't get it from the scene, yeah, he is very callous towards the guy, but. It's it's like it's like really say neener neener neener. It's like did I did I laugh out loud? That part that part is one thing. The the over the over all like thing was really at that point. What could he do? You know, it's like Uh, because that's the thing that went through my mind. It's like because I think he would have. I think he would have given the guy his pills if he had them. But they're in the lake, you know, and it's like, what could he do? What could he do? Which he which he is responsible. Now, look, did I laugh? Yes, because a a, a car or a golf cart going into the water is inherently funny unless there's kids strapped in the back. And then it's a little less. Yeah. yeah. (laughs) And then it's just hilarious. Yeah. 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 Then Renee just like has to pause (laughs) until she she wipes the tears from her eyes. Yeah. <laughs> well, the, 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 the thing that the thing about the scene again, I think it would have been more effective to me if the guy wasn't having a heart attack because that just again was just it, it, it's just really a kind of a cliched moment. Oh no, you scared me so much! I'm having a heart attack, and you know, I mean, right. though, though, admittedly, that does happen because, like in the '70s, um, the uh, uh, some guy drove his story. yeah, some guy drove his his pickup truck into IBM in. Uh, mm-hmm. Maryland, I think it was, it might've been Rockville where I lived. Um, it was near where we lived and, and shot the place up. And my neighbor up the street, uh, Mr. Tutwiler worked there and he had to go to the hospital, not because he got shot, but because he had a heart attack because of the stress of it. He, he survived though. So Mr. Tutwiler did, did, did survive. Their house was right near the, the, the hole. Isn't as a whole, isn't the guy, isn't the golfer. I mean, doesn't he have the same sentiment? It's like, Oh my God, you know, you're on my grass. I'm going to hit this ball at you. And I don't care if, you know, I kill, or, you know, I hurt you. I kill you. And then it's almost like immediately it's turned around and, and you know, yeah. he's sort of in exactly the, the, the same position. I don't know. I don't know like, or like, it's like a bookend with the, uh, the scene with the, um, the gang members. Because again, mm-hmm. it's Michael Douglas yeah. invading oh, yeah. their ground. Yeah. And they they threaten him, and then he turns it around and threatens him. Yeah, and it was a good juxtaposition to the kid who basically told him how to operate a bazooka, and this dude has a heart attack just over the sight of a shotgun. (laughs) Yeah. Well, admittedly, the kid thought it was for a movie. It was when he shot the guy, right, and hit the cart. Well, that is pretty cool. You, She shot the cart and sent it into the lake. Yeah. So... We should try that. See if that works. That's a, that'd be a, that'd be a thing from the video game. That's totally a video game episode. Right yeah. There. Extra. The falling down. R- Renee, are there are there any other other are there any other insights you'd like to share with us up to this point? Because again, I feel like you're not interrupting us nearly as oh, much sure, as you should. Uh, you should. Uh, <laughs> I know. And every time this happens, I'm just like, uh. 
Um, did we already pass the scene? I know we talked, we've touched on him a few times, but uh, the uh, not economically viable man, uh, I think we're pretty well past yeah. that at this point. Uh, but I just, I guess my only thought were, thought was when he looked at him and said, don't forget me. Uh, what was your interpretation of that scene? Like what, what I was a little bit kind of lost there a little bit. I, my, okay, well, what I got, which has to be different than what everybody else gets, because <laughs> it seems like it always is, but what I got was, I mean, it was almost like, you know, the guy, the, the economically viable guy, I, it was almost like he was sort of, um, not knowingly, but, you know, giving him license to keep doing what he was doing. He's like, you know, I mean, yeah. I'm, I'm fighting against you know, the establishment and, you know, he's like, Hey, don't forget me. It's almost like, you know, I won't, you know, that's exactly what I'm doing. It's just, you know, we're doing it in uh slightly different ways. Yeah. Camaraderie. I think that's accurate. I think like he, the whole movie, he seems to think that nobody gets, he's surprised that no one gets what he's saying, that they're all misinterpreting mm. it. I think in this guy, he sees someone um, who gets it, mm. you know, that he see he sees a kindred soul now in this guy, which, you know, I'm sure the guy would be horrified if he knew what we was all doing. Yeah. But, I mean, I mean, he he repeats that phrase later. Yeah, he directly references it. Like he's he he actually like, uses that phrase in reference to himself. Yeah, and I think it's in the uh, the uh, yeah. Is it is it the when he's at the plastic surgeon's house? I think when he's talking yeah, to the family. I think so yeah, yeah. Boy, that went right so over my I, head. I don't know. Yeah, I don't oh, remember right. him saying that. <laughs> <laughs> Well, yeah, he was talking. It's when he was talking about like all the money that the plastic surgeon has, and he says, "Oh, I should have been in that racket." And he's like, "You know what I do? I, I build missiles." And I don't know. He says something else, and that's when he says that. You know, and I think he says, "I lost my job." He's like, "I wasn't something." He's like, "I wasn't economically viable." I guess it just goes to you know yeah. shows you that he is sort of yeah. taking you know taking to heart what that guy said, mm-hmm. right? You know, I'm not gonna forget you. I'm gonna continue my. Uh, my fight. I mean, all he's just going home. I'm just trying to go home. That scene with the with the um, the plastic surgeon's house is another one. It's like, again, I'm watching this. I'm like, where did people get the idea that this guy was any kind of hero? I mean, he's terrifying these people, and he's completely unaware of of that they would feel that way. It's like, how could you be so completely oblivious? How lack of empathy must you have? No, this it's because shows- in his mind, he's not. I mean, he's oh, I not know. trying to he's, hurt those people. Because he's nuts. And he, he, he expects them to get that somehow immediately, even though nobody would. Oh, look, there's, there's no, no, I think at this point, I, at this point in the film, I don't think anybody is. I hope not, but apparently be... all the critics thought that the audience was going to be whooping and hollering. There was 30 years ago. They're all dead now anyway. It doesn't matter. <laughs> no, this is true. <laughs> right at, but they thought that he was going to be 30 what? years ago? I'm not dead. Well, yeah. that's true. Oh, wow. All their, okay, all their dogs are, are we? dead. How's that? There you go. But what I'm saying, I'm saying is, you know, also you have to think that probably at the time it was when people watched it, they again, they were probably going in with that expectation of what the trailer was, and they viewed it through that lens. You know what I'm saying? When you so if you go in with a certain expectation and you view it through the lens of that, even if it's because I think this this film ha- is, I mean it's it's got it definitely. I mean we're I think we're having a, you know there's plenty to talk about in this right and there's plenty yeah. to to parse over in this and if you go with it with a a preconceived notion of what it's about, it may be easy to to misconstrue what some of it's about. 
Well, the, the plastic surgeon house scene I got as another, <clears throat> it was another sort of reeling in moment where, you know, you think he's sort of, he's sort of gone off the deep end, but you know, he, he, he jumps over the fence and it's like, he's going to, that he like caught the gun or something and he's screaming at him and he, and he realizes, Oh, well, this isn't the person I need to be mad at. And then, you know, when he, you know, he takes the little girl, not really thinking about it. And then, you know, he realizes that they're scared and he's like, Oh, you think I'm going to hurt your family? You know, it's, it's like, this is not what I'm about. I don't know. It just kind of reeled him back in a little bit. Like, yeah, he's sort of off the deep end, but not the deep, deep end. I don't know. It, oh, no, it reels I, I, I him back in a little bit. I see what you're saying, Alan, because he 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 has a a slight moment of of self awareness there when he he's like, wait, oh, you're seeing me as you're seeing me as a, a, a bad guy. I'm going to hurt your kid. No, I'm certainly not. But that kind right, of ties and, but he's into also the very kind of end. Becoming, you know, if he becomes, you know, when he says, "I've become the bad guy," you know, how did that happen? That's kind of one of the moments too. Not only is it reeling him in some, but it's also sort of going in that direction. It's like it's like he is becoming the bad guy. You know, it's like, well, yeah, this you know, sort of thought, like he had basically kidnapped the girl without knowing that's what he had done, you know, and the guy's like, oh, take me. And it's like, well, you know, that's that's not what I'm doing here. You know, so he is kind of becoming the bad guy. I mean, people are scared of him. I mean, he's he, well, he has, think, he has, well, oh, go ahead, Zach. I'm no, sorry. no, no, I was just going to say, I think, I think the point is he's always been the bad guy. It's just he didn't we, realize it. Yeah, he didn't realize it. Well, again, that's, that's actually kind of point I was going to get to is and we talked about this before is the contrast between him and Robert Duvall's character. Robert Duvall's character is is self-aware. He knows who he is. He knows what his identity is. He's not defined by the people. Yeah. He goes, look, I, I know I know I'm not a coward. I know I'm a man who loves his wife. I know a man who who's the, you know, this is who I am and I'm not going to be defined by you versus uh, Michael Douglas, who is is oblivious to who he actually is, which it even late, leads up to the, the like when they're at the climax, when he's like, I wasn't going to hurt my family. And Robert Duvall's like, really? You know, we but know I you were. I think work. he yeah. says, so, you know, I, I think it goes all the way back to the scene within the, uh, in the, the, I don't know. Do you call it a bodega? The little shop with uh, Mr. Lee. I, I think he, I think he makes a statement there, which is, is like what he thinks he's doing all the way through. I think he, doesn't he say something like, I'm just standing up for my rights as a consumer. And I think right, that's yeah, how he sort of feels throughout the film. He's just standing up for his rights. Well, right, well not realizing not. that he is. <laughs> he's not. He's not. That's what I'm saying. He's, it's, again, that lack of self-awareness and that lack of empathy. It's, it's you know, so. Yeah, it, it's the idea that to stand up for some perceived slight or some perceived, uh, you know, if if you feel like someone is taking away your right to... I don't know, get change or something, and then your reaction is to trash their store, then, yeah, it's you're even if you were in the right to begin with, even if people can say, oh, yeah, I, I sympathize with that, they, they probably lose all sympathy. Oh, yeah, you're taking, like, an you, extreme stance. Yeah. Right. But again, I think the interesting part of the scene is that briefly, he has a very brief moment of self-awareness where he sees himself through their eyes, where he sees them where he has that that's just brief self-awareness that's like, wait, you see me as, oh, no, I wasn't going to hurt. You know, he sees sees himself through their eyes as opposed to just being oblivious like he was at at uh, Whataburger or whatever the hell it was called. Whammy Burger? Whammy Burger. Whammy yeah, Burger. It's a dummy Ooh, burger. <laughs> yeah. So we, I don't know. Well, I guess we got to wait till the final scene to discuss that. I guess it's just yeah. 
yeah. maybe he just didn't feel like those people wronged him because you know that guy was just the caretaker he wasn't the owner if it was the owner it probably would have been a different scene well yeah it would have been a yeah. different yeah. story and to me that's yeah. that's so contemptible he goes in there armed for bear and he's like ready to to be all antagonistic and be his usual self and then he finds out oh no these are just working class people well then that's the wrong behavior listen dipshit if, I don't care if it's Jeff Bezos with his family out on a picnic or something. You don't act that way if you're, you know, even close to being a decent human being. It's it, the the status of these people is is irrelevant. Uh, you know, this is this is one of the most unempathetic characters I've ever run across, including it, the the crab monsters and Attack of the Crab Monsters, <laughs> who were admittedly that's. That's really not a fair comparison because they could talk and think. Maybe a bad example. Oh my God. Well, <laughs> is there anything else we want to get into or do we want to talk about that final kind of confrontation and showdown? I, I, I think the one other thing. <laughs> oh, well, yeah, there's, there's I... the, the scene right before that. Oh yeah. Where, and you, yeah. May, you may be including this in that scene, but where he is in the house um that's what i was about to talk about yeah oh go ahead okay well i I was just gonna say like you know throughout the movie at at least for me and now again i'm not i wasn't sympathetic with him when he's you know trying to shoot people or whatever but i was sympathetic with him as far as not being able to see his daughter and the whole um you know like she had gotten a restraining order from him but he sort of in his mind they had like you know he, he doesn't really know why they're not together anymore because you know in his mind i think they had this uh this perfect thing but while he's watching those videos and i think even he realizes that you know maybe it wasn't as you know as perfect as i thought it was because you know in the video you know he sort of gets it you can tell that he's got kind of like a short temper he kind of gets ill when you know she's trying to put her on the horse in one of the videos for her birthday and she doesn't want to go on the horse and the i don't know the wife says something and he kind of snaps and then he you know, in the, the video that he's watching, you know, you kind of cut back to the wife and you can tell that she's not really happy. And I, I think he sort of sees that, you know, at the end, like, you know, maybe my view of the world is not exactly what I thought it was. It's so, you know, maybe, you, maybe the world is not the way you I think that's it. what's happening, but then it's not. <laughs> yeah. Well, well that, I, that was actually... I think that is what's happening, but then he sort of forgets it very quickly. Well, maybe. <laughs> yeah, because I mean, well, no, I'm saying, does it does it plant the seed for him later to have that kind of revelation of, I'm I'm the bad guy, where he goes he goes, am I the bad guy? Doesn't he? Doesn't actually. Yeah, I don't think he really ever admits that he's the bad guy. But he, he has there's there, the, but I think it plants uh, that something. It plants yeah. that seed, I think. Yeah, let, let's. I have a comment on that, but I, getting getting back to the 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 scene that Alan's talking about real quick. I think that, like, to me, this is actually a perfect summary of, like, uh, the things I've been saying this whole time, the the being just a complete sociopath, because, like, in that video, that's actually a perfect snapshot of kind of a, a what in my mind is a, a really sociopathic behavior. And I should say, I'm, I'm, I'm not like a, uh, you know, a trained professional, I might be using that term incorrectly, so... Please, if if you are a trained professional, uh, you know, email me. You're a sociopath. Well, no, if you're a sociopath, you probably, yeah, you probably you probably don't know it, unfortunately. Um, no, but the scene where, yeah, he's he's gotten her this horse, and he's like telling, uh, you know, the wife to put the his daughter on it. 
and he's like getting mad because because she's i guess afraid and this is the kind of the perfect summary of that kind of behavior because like he has done something he has gotten someone a gift and for a normal person like getting someone a gift is supposed to be something that makes them happy but for him he's mad that she's not putting like she's not showing the correct amount of gratitude to him and that's making him angry like almost as if like getting the gratitude for getting her a gift was actually the ultimate goal just to satisfy him if that makes sense so i don't know i, I kind of like that i actually think that is a very perfect scene because for me it kind of sums up the whole mentality of even when you're doing something that should be for someone else you're actually just doing it for yourself and then if it if the result is not what you expected then you fly off the handle and and get angry about it or not. I mean, uh, could be wrong. Yeah, anyway, yes. yeah, 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 yeah. I was shaking my head. You just couldn't hear me. Yeah. Nodding my head. Not shaking my head. Yeah, yeah. Um, this is why we got to do video, uh, video podcasts at some point, so I can, I can see. Like, is everyone thoughtful right now, or are they like looking? Do have they muted themselves and they're like looking in their bag of Doritos to get the last couple of crumbs? Oh, out. you could hear um, them. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, you forgot to beat yourself that one time. <laughs> I, hear, I heard you mutter under under your breath. Oh yeah, game of fuel. <laughs> <laughs> right. No, but uh, yeah. So so then I think I think it's also interesting that he that 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 look that he has is actually open for interpretation. Like, yeah, is he is he is he coming to a realization that he's a bad person? Or is he just getting angry again about the situation that he's watching? And then he goes off and he, you know, he makes the connection where she says something, I think, on the tape about a peer, or he says something about the peer, or someone says something, and then he's like, oh, yeah, and then he looks out the window. So, I'm so I don't mad. Know. It's, I think it's... Like, why... What a dumb dumb! Why did you go to the pier? Yeah. First of all, it's your favorite place. Yes. Second yes. of all, it's yeah. literally yeah. dead. And why did he have to hear it on the video to realize? Oh, she went to the pier. Right. You know, it's because right she, there. Because, no, and no, she's no, super no. casual. Because that's how we learn. Like it. super casually grabbing a hot dog. Yeah. Like nothing's happening. Like yeah. what are you doing? Yeah. Yeah. Well, Maybe well, she yeah, figured that was it was it was open so she could see him coming from yeah. the distance and and there'd be a lot of people there. Of course, she doesn't see him coming from a distance. Oh, but you know. oh, oh, and I almost forgot. Um, you remember? <laughs> um, did, I guess we did the Lost Boys, right? You remember? The, you know the guy with the saxophone. Um, uh -huh. No, we didn't. Yes, when, we do. When when everybody is is uh you know gets pushed back off the pier oh my god. and it's just them. Oh my god. There's a guy in a speedo, and if he would have had a saxophone, I that would have completed that scene. You know who I'm talking about, I know right, a Renee? Thousand percent who you're talking about. Okay. <laughs> a thousand percent who you're talking about. <laughs> yeah. Oh man. Check the chat. Oh Check goodness. Check the chat, please. Yeah. It's it's un <laughs> oh my god, wait, did you post yeah. a picture? I was ready with the <laughs> screenshot. <laughs> well, I, I think that's actually because I was going to no, I, I actually, I maybe that's the guy. That's the guy that I found. Um, he, he, I, this might be the actor. There's an uncredited actor that's just man on pier, and it actually kind of looks like that. Oh so, um, who would also actually uh, appear in Mortal Kombat Annihilation? Oh, that's Matara. gotta be him. Guy's name is D Darren McPhee. <laughs> Hold on, let me let me post the link. Um, let's see. And you look so happy uh, to be can, there. Yeah, maybe you guys and can. He and the girl next to him, which I assume 
I don't know. They're at least dressed as like well oiled. Oh, I didn't even notice. Admire her. well oiled. Everyone is. Uh, I, once again, <laughs> once again, I, I gotta say, Alan, you gotta go to Venice Beach, circa 1993, <laughs> and you will not see a single not well oiled person at all. Apparently, you don't so. want to go there now, though. It's it's kind of turning into a dump. Huh? It's from all that oil. Yeah, it's yeah, all yeah, that oil. oil. Everybody's yeah. dry. Oh my god, well, it's totally. Do we want it? Sorry. Uh, yeah, it could be him. Uh, do, do we do we want to talk about the the final scene, the final showdown? Nah. Um, no. Okay, all right. We'll skip <laughs> yeah, we'll that one. <laughs> and uh, we'll see you next time. It's got a great payoff. <laughs> yeah, I don't know who who wants to start on the on the kind of final confrontation. You know, I don't even know what yeah. to say about the final confrontation because it's it's a. I mean, it's pretty much exactly what you would expect. Well, except I, I like the way it starts. I like the way with, with, uh, you know, everyone else is kind of scattered, and Robert Duvall character come up, comes up, and and Michael Douglas's character doesn't quite know, you know, what to make of him, and actually neither does Barbara Hershey till he he flashes his gun yeah. at her, so she knows. But I, I thought it was actually kind of brilliant, and shows shows this, this character saying, you know, again, kind of saying, I know who I am. I know I'm brave. I'm no, I'm not, not, not a coward because, and he's not doing it to show that to anybody though. That's the cool thing mm-hmm. about it. It's not performative. It's not, not uh, Robert Duvall going to the other cops. Look, see, I'm a brave guy going into. No, yeah. he's doing this because it has to be done. And he's the one who they, they wouldn't listen to him. He knows where it is. He knows what he can do, and he, he, he knows he can get this done. So then and he's that's a really what I, good cop. He's a really yeah. Good, he sh- this is the second time when when he's with the guy's mom and he starts talking to her about her stupid little wife, yes. figurines and everything. Yes, I was going to mention one, that when he just comes out with the popcorn and everything. I mean, this is a guy who's a master of de-escalation and of making people feel comfortable and you know discussing things they might clam up about. He doesn't come out with his gun blazing. He manages to just with a glance tell the wife what to do with the gun. I mean, this guy's an awesome cop. So which. Which makes it work at the end when you when he says you know basically he's going to keep on being a cop and probably go back to being on the beat. I mean, how he's going to work that out with his wife, I don't know. But this is the sort of cop we want to have an entire police force made up of, you know. So it shows him at his best, and um, you know it shows our uh, our other it shows the uh, Michael Douglas character as he has always been pretty oblivious. Maybe finally coming to some realization, but. Uh, too little, too late. Right, and 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 I, I, I speaking of realizations, I again, I think I mentioned this before. I absolutely love the fact that Michael Douglas doesn't come to part of the realization. Like, I wasn't going to hurt them, and Robert Duvall's like, I think it's his line. No, we know exactly what you were going to do. Or, yeah, yeah, and I mean, and I, I just love the interchange between them, and the fact that again, Robert Duvall isn't doing this for any sense of bravado. It's just here, I'm going to. You know, I'm I'm just doing what needs to be done, and all right, we're going to go in. Yeah, I'm just arresting you. I'm not, you know, not doing any sort of, you know, late '80s, early '90s, you know, shoot him up. It's like no, I'm I'm just arresting you. He only fires because Michael Douglas, you know, pulls out the gun to to threaten him. You know, yeah, he draws. He says he draws. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, or could it be? I mean. Michael Douglas has the water gun. Why does he have the water gun? Maybe he planned this all along. Well, he knew suicide, how it was going to go down. Suicide he knew some cop, cop was going to show up yeah. and shoot him. No, I don't. I don't know that 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 part doesn't necessarily. Um, 
Well, I, he, I, yeah, I, mean, I, mean, I don't why think he had planned it, but... Why did um, he grab the water gun unless it was, you know... Well... <sighs> I mean, it's in the video. He it's, had it's it in, in his the... hand. Didn't he have it in his hand when he was watching the video? Yeah. Yeah, because so it's I just, I sort of... to the video and such, so... Well, I thought maybe it's just like... It. Well, when he, when he realized that she was on the pier, he had it in his hand because... Otherwise, it really doesn't make any sense why he would have that. It's like, oh, I'm going to go out here with my gun, but I'm also going to have my water gun. I mean, it's right. it's almost like, you know, I, I had this in my hand. I, I you know, I got I'm just put it in my pocket. Yeah. It makes sense yeah. to me that he got so laser focused on her considering the incident with the phone booth. He was so laser focused on that that he didn't even notice what the hell was going on around him at first. Right. That's true. Yeah. But even even in the end, you know, you had that moment of clarity. It's like, well, you know, how does this go down? You know, I'm either going to go to jail or you can you can shoot me. And, you know, my my little girl can get the insurance money and um, the water. Now, I wouldn't want to be on that pier if uh, those things were that um, easily breakable. No joke. You know what <laughs> yeah, I'm saying? Like, oh, I man. That quite distressing as well. <laughs> like they need upgrades. Yeah. You know, the first time I saw this, though, it, it pissed me off that he like basically killed himself um you know suicide yeah. by cop and i was i was just like oh, that's so dumb why do you watching it again it's like oh and again because he even says like you said he says this this way my daughter um you know we'll, we'll get the insurance and, and which so by forth. the way she will not right but it, it doesn't but matter he doesn't it's know the, that i guess yeah right and his thought of um this is just maybe a, maybe again, a false justification for doing what he's going to do anyway Right. But uh, again, it, it worked. It, it made more sense mm -hmm. to me watching it this time. It made more sense that that character did that. Yeah. So. Oh, you know, I forgot to mention also the God, this goes way back to when talking about um, Michael Douglas's family, um, you know, very the mom, she's very stable kid, very normal American family with a dog. Yeah. yeah, crazy cat yeah. woman over here, and oh, it's good wholesome American <laughs> wow. family with the dog. <laughs> mm -hmm. Wow. Yeah. yeah. Well, in fact, in fact, I there there was once the one thing that I noticed about the dog. Oh, so the, the very boy. last, <laughs> he was the last, best boy. <laughs> well, he yeah. was the best yeah. boy, of course. But um, the the very last shot is uh, you know, Michael Douglas in I guess on the pier with the daughter and the and the and the dog. The, you know, basically the the TV I guess is still on, uh, but there's nobody in the room. Nobody's actually watching it. But then I went back and I was kind of flipping through and I realized um, there is actually someone watching it. The dog is sitting yeah. on the couch. Yep. He is. So maybe this whole movie was about the dog. Well, I, I I have no. I don't did know. Did you I notice when um, the, I forgot her name? Was it Sandra the cop? Um, when she got shot by him, the dog was uh -huh. sitting next to her in the yard. Yes, oh, yes, I did notice that, and I was like, and, okay, yeah. And the funniest like... thing is, they have that sign in front of their house, you know, guard dog. Yeah. It looks like a cross between a pit bull and a velociraptor. And then you see the dog, and it's like he would not bite a, a dog toy. I mean, it, it is the most harmless beast ever. So, yeah, it's a very good dog. Uh, unfortunately, that's the kind I do of sign not... you want. Yeah, I, I do not have uh, any casting information uh, for the dog, so I do not know if they well, were in any other movies. Unfortunately, ago, I think so. that dog is probably no longer with us since this was made in oh, uh, a long time ago. Yeah. Uh, probably run around, run around uh, a farm in upstate New York. Yeah, somewhere. Yeah. Anyways, is there anything else we want to talk the only about? Forty-year-old dog. 
<laughs> yeah. <laughs> do we do we do we do we want to touch on any other elements of this movie, or do we feel like it's time to get into our final rants and uh, ratings on this one? Cool. I think it's well, time. I, I think it's time. There, there is one. Uh, there is actually one other thing I want to mention, uh, which we haven't really touched on, because um, it's not actually something that's on screen. But another element of this movie that I really love is the score. I think the music is great. I think it's got a really, uh, I don't know, it's really epic. The The music in this movie is done by James Newton Howard, who has like a billion credits. I mean, he has done the music for so many things. Uh, he did. He was one of the composers for The Dark Knight. Uh, he did the music for uh the fugitive he, he's been basically composing for uh decades and decades um uh, but i actually wanted to point out and and i know that uh at least one of you is probably going to roll your eyes at this but i actually do have a point that i'm trying to make here the uh a couple of years after this movie he would also do one of my favorite scores of all time uh for a little movie i think i've mentioned before once or twice uh by the name of Waterworld. now the thing the thing i actually want to point out is i think that it uh, and i can even post some some examples but there's a lot of things there. The music in this movie actually really reminds me of Waterworld. And I think that he was uh, maybe like going through phases uh, in his like, I guess, creative work. And uh, I don't know, there, there's actually a lot of the uh, especially the, like the end music, which is why I mentioned it now, actually really, really reminds me of uh, the music for for Waterworld. So, um, yeah, I don't know. Uh, Are great you talking composer. about the Beastie Boys number or something else in the crowd? <laughs> yes, the Beastie Boys number from Waterworld, where they're like, "No, no sleep, no sleep till dry land." Um, <laughs> okay, cool. <laughs> Let's get into our our kind of uh, final rants and ratings. This is where uh, you know we're in the video store, so we're gonna rate this based on uh, a, a rating system that is out of five. Uh, pristine. Oh, oh, oh wait, one, there is one more thing. Oh, go ahead. This is yeah. this is the uh, Alan's trivia time. Who remembers how much the little snow globe that he bought for his daughter? Oh, was? it was so cheap. Three dollars. Three. What? Three dollars. Three. Yes. Three dollars. Because that one of the things I was watching. Because normally, you know, I, I like to try little to find little bits like that. But the reason I remembered that because it's when when he said how much I was thinking. You know, it's like, well, if he says it's like 30 bucks, he's going to go ballistic and shoot the place up. So anyway, I think that's why I remember it was $3. Yes. But yeah, $3. Yeah. And he but wrapped it. I mean, it's, it's a nice big yeah. one. And he wrapped it. Three bucks. Yeah. It's a deal. At the Korean okay. grocery store, it would have been 30 bucks. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, let me just say, in late 80s, early 90s, we used to buy like a new music box for Christmas every year in, in back in the day. and uh, And let me tell you, back then, they were at least 25 30 bucks if not more so he was getting a steal really was. even I was back like there, when i saw that scene too i was like there is yeah. no way <laughs> maybe he maybe he recognized him from the apb and he was like i have for you just take um, it go <laughs> yeah also sorry actually i i forgot to mention uh james newton howard also uh composed the music for another movie that is actually a really good movie but is about a complete uh, psychopath sociopath who is really unlikable throughout the entire movie. And that is Nightcrawler, uh, which if you haven't seen, is a really yeah, great movie. Yeah. Um, oh, I, anyways. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, let's get to our ratings. Let's, let's give this, let's see how out of five VHS tapes, let's see how this one holds up. And I, I'm, I'm very interested to hear uh, you've had a lot of thoughts about it. Uh, so I, but you usually are actually lowball all of our movies. 
So, Alan, I'm kind of I want to start with you. I'm kind of interested to hear your final thoughts on this one and how you ultimately actually rate it. Okay, well, again, this this really is one of my favorite movies um, of all time, and it, it may be like in the top two for just because it's one I watched the most, other than uh, planes, trains, and automobiles. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I really think this is is a perfect movie. There is one thing that I could do without in this movie, and um, so you know, I like to degrade things down a little bit for things that other people may not, but there's a lot of profanity in this movie. So I got to take off a quarter tape for that, but I'm giving it a 4.75 out of five. And I've just left you speechless with that because it's, <laughs> I, I, it's like three times as high as everything else. I was going to say, I think that's the highest you've ever rated any, uh, any movie on this podcast. So. so yeah, very, very impressive. Let's move along to uh, someone who I, I think also has a lot of thoughts on this movie. So I'm kind of interested to hear where he falls. Uh, Paul, Paul, what do you think of falling down? Well, when Alan mentioned this, that we, you know, when he suggested we watch this, I, you couldn't see me, but I rolled my eyes. I was like, "Oh crap, really?" Because <laughs> I, I remember, that. I remember, I remember watching it. Like I said, and, and it, I wasn't impressed with it. I was like, "It was okay." I didn't, you know, it was like, "eh." Uh, and so watching again, I'm actually really glad I watched it again. I think there is more to it than when I watched it 25 years ago. Um, partially, you know, because watch movies differently now, and I'm also twice as old as I was back then. Um, but so, I mean, the performances are, are actually fantastic. Um, the characters are complex. Um, and, but parts of it still do not work for me. Again, I've mentioned a million times. It's, I think tonally there's some, some issues and I, I really don't think that it was this, Oh, he's, he's oblivious to it. No, I, I think they really intended these some of these things to be funny and at least for me that that didn't work so it, it felt a little muddled there but still I, I i think it is clearly we've talked almost three hours about it and uh and i think it's 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 one worth checking out um i would say kind of going back and forth on this i'd say maybe 3.75 really which is higher than i thought i would have given it but um, you know, it's one of those things the more we've talked about, it, the more I looked at it, the more I've looked at the characters. I think there's there's enough there that even the bits that don't work for me tonally don't negate the film. So yeah, three point seven uh VHS tapes for me. Cool. Well, Renee, you have been characteristically uh, pretty quiet this whole time. So uh, let's let's find out what you actually think about this movie. <laughs> it's right on path for me. Um, you know, it's interesting. It it uh, you know, like I said earlier, like oh, it just got exhausting because there were just so many things that I was noticing. Oh, incidentally, I forgot to mention in the very first scene, the little uh, bodega there was a glass jar of American flags that fell to the floor and shattered. Yes. <laughs> yeah, brother. Yeah. Yes. Like, you know, I was like, Oh God, here we go. It's going to be deep. <laughs> Symbolism. Yeah, huh? It's just so, Oh man. It was, yeah. Um, but you know, I, I, I will say I don't, you know, there might, they might've tried to have some moments, you know, of brevity just because it otherwise would have just been kind of, I don't know horrible otherwise um i think there are some scenes i don't really think they tried to play it for laughs i could see how some people could interpret it that way i think you know like the scene with the kid and the bazooka and stuff there were some you know moments but at the same time that was kind of a turning point 
in the movie, you know, it was like right in the middle and all this other stuff was going on. Um, anyway, I, th I think it was well done and I give it a four, four crispy rewound, uh, VHS tapes with the sleeve. Nice. Perfect. Gotta have yeah. the sleeve. Uh, got it. Even if it has stickers, I was going to say with the little the sticker thing that falls out all the time. Yeah. 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 Perfect. So not a clamshell. Not a clamshell. Correct. Okay. Okay. So like I said, at the top of the show, this is the, uh, I think this is one of 18 films in the entire world that Bill hadn't seen before. Uh, so I'm very, very interested to hear how, uh, someone who had never seen this before and had, uh, I guess some preconceptions about it, mm -hmm. but, uh, may, which maybe turned out to be wrong. Or, or inaccurate. Uh, so, Bill, why don't you tell us what you thought about your initial viewing of Falling Down? I, I think I would give it um, a four, four out of five. Um, I think it's, I love Robert Duvall and I like Michael Douglas. So I think the two of them are really good in this movie. It, it's just well acted all the way through. And the story that it does tell, not the one the critics seem to think it was telling or whatever, is, is a pretty good one. I, I don't get, see, here's the other thing. It, it was described to me as a black comedy. I think that's really stretchy. Okay, yeah, I don't, I don't no. see it. Do you, do you disagree with me? I, is uh, this, this is not to me a black comedy. Well, yeah, okay. IMDb actually, I, I kind of do agree with them on this one. They, you know, how they put it in weird categories, but they have this in three categories: action, crime, and drama. And I, I would agree with that. I wouldn't, I wouldn't put this yeah. in. Yeah, no, it's, it's definitely a. It's yeah. it's definitely a drama. That's it's got, I mean, it's got some amusing parts and and some exaggerations, and I, I can see where sort of see where people were going with that. But if you were to tell this story as a black comedy, you could you could indeed tell this tale as a black comedy. It would be a very different movie. That's not the movie that this is. To to my way of thinking, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe these people laugh their heads off all, all the way through. But, uh, that would be the sociopaths in our yeah yeah. Well, well. yeah even even the the scenes that we talked about where there was comedy it wasn't mm -hmm. laugh out loud comedy it was well a different kind of comedy i laugh out you know loud what I mean? but i'm easy you know <laughs> but, <laughs> but yeah, he I, killed the nazi yeah uh, well it's, it's, I, I, no four out of five good a good film i i don't think it's quite the um social you know a brilliant social commentary satire that people read into it but you know what you know what maybe it is because film is art and art a lot of times relies on the interpretation of the viewer so there are people who may get a great deal of funny social commentary out of this and great that's just another way to enjoy it i can enjoy it just as a more straightforward character mm -hmm. study with some really top-notch actors so uh, and and well made, uh, you know. I'll never forgive him for Batman and Robin, but you know what? Let's <laughs> let bygones. Man's dead, yeah. you know. So they're not going to give him Guardians of the Galaxy four or anything. There's no the danger has passed. So um, the hologram of Joel Schumacher. Oh my! It just shows up. <laughs> yeah. Yikes! But um, anyway, yeah. I, I I'm glad you guys picked this. I, I am glad sometimes to kind of be forced into watching something outside my comfort mm. zone. Um, which is, this is not why I didn't watch this. It's just, there's so many things to watch and it's just yeah. easier to watch Galaxy Quest. So, <laughs> so yeah, I'm glad you guys picked it. So add another one to the bucket list there. Perfect. Well, 
as for me, I, I thought that this was a very well made film. In fact, I think that there were a lot of things that I didn't appreciate. Like I said, I'd seen this probably a lot on TV when I was younger. And I think that I didn't appreciate how well constructed this film is. It's incredibly well edited and shot. And I think that the performances are top notch. I think that like pretty much wall to wall. I mean, you have two kind of master actors in this movie, but you have a lot of supporting cast. Uh, you have a lot of uh, secondary characters and a lot of characters who really just show up for like one or two lines and um, they're almost all incredibly, incredibly good. So yeah, it's incredibly well-made film. I think where this movie fails for me is kind of uh, what I think you guys have kind of said already, which is I don't know if it's as deep as it could be. I feel like it's maybe, I don't know, maybe it was a little unsure of exactly what kind of film it wanted mm. to be or what it wanted its message to be or if it wanted to have a <laughs> message. And I think that it kind of fails. And I think that's actually like, I don't think a film always has to have a message. And I'm actually fine with characters that are dubious in their convictions or dubious in their uh, motivations, I guess. But I think for this one, it was just... I don't know. I, I, I didn't quite get out of the main character what I felt like I kind of wanted to. Um, so I don't know. It's a little bit frustrating. I think it's a very, you know, uh, in terms of the like dialogue and everything, this is like a top notch film in terms of the characterizations. I feel like maybe it is just a little bit muddy. Um, I don't know. Maybe maybe that's I mean, that, that can be seen as a strength or a weakness. But yeah, I, I think this is a very well-made film. I'm going to have to go with... Uh, I'm going to go with two and a half uh, VHS tapes for this one. I think it's a fantastic movie that I will probably watch again in the future. But I think that it kind of... It kind of lacks, uh, just in terms of the narrative, it maybe lacks that uh, special something that would push it over to like a, a four or beyond for me. So I think that that puts us at an average of four for this one, which is pretty high. Actually, um, I, I got 3.8. Oh, you got 3.8. Okay. Well, and I'm I'll, bad at math and you teach math. So I'll, I'll hmm. go with your rating of 3.8, which is still pretty high. Uh, I think it's still one of our, our highest ratings yet. So, wow. Um, well, let, let me check my math. 19 divided by uh, hmm. five. That is 3.8. See, I was going to say that I was convinced that you looked up the IMDb rating because when right before you gave yours, I was like, okay, there's no way we're going to hit that rating. But with the rating you gave, we <laughs> are spot on with the oh, 7.6 oh, out of 10 that IMDb has because, you know, you would we have to multiply ours, ours by two and that's seven, you know, yeah. 3.8 times two, 7.6. Fair so. enough. Amazing. I, I, Again. I wanna, yeah, I want to go back now. I know that we've been looking at the, the last couple, but uh, I want to go back and just analyze all of our ratings and see how close we get. Because I feel like it's usually pretty close. Yeah. Um, cool. Well, any closing remarks or anything that uh, that anyone wants to share? Or does anyone want to plug anything? Uh, and by anyone, I mean the only other person here who's actually on other podcasts. So, Bill... <laughs> Uh, what uh, other, where else can people hear your stunning insights and uh, where can we hear you talk about children of the corn, uh, in the coming weeks and months? Decades of horror, the 1970s and 1980s. So let's see, we just did, wow, do I just draw blanks? Oh, we just did near dark where I had to be reminded oh, nice. that this was the second time we've done near dark and oh. I, I was on the first one, which was recorded <laughs> at dragon con. I totally would see with C. Robert Cargill, who wrote Doctor Strange, was on the podcast. Then. Yeah. What? So I, I hope oh, that man. I hope that my opinions haven't changed too much since then because yeah, I, I cannot remember a single thing I said on that panel. 
and then we're going to do little girl who lives down the lane did you guys uh was that included in the uh yeah it was yeah, yeah. i miss believe renee recommended I missed that, one. that episode but... I is, that, is that new that one for some reason that's that's a that's a jody foster one from what late Maybe 70s i, was? I think you I were because know. it was no, after i oh. recommended greece too and i think it was part of my apology episode Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah, that sounds right. Yeah. Well, I, was, I wasn't on this week's sort of apology tips, recommendations. But... It was only two movies. Yeah. You may be right. That, that's right. why I've been I... doing like good ones recently too. Yeah. Got a memory like a city. <laughs> That'll be our next one. So that's that's. A, I yeah, can't remember things podcast. that are actually important if that helps at all. I can't remember what I had. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's probably not a whole lot, but um. <laughs> anyways. Uh, <laughs> That that was a reference to the to, to to Bill's medication, which is probably inappropriate to talk about on air. So I'll edit that out. <laughs> yeah, we get HIPAA regulations. My brain went to yeah, went so, to uh, Bill in the movie giving his lunch away to the guy. Oh, there you go. Yeah, mm-hmm. it was a a sandwich and an apple. Um, cool. Anyone else have any closing remarks, or can I do our outro here? Do it. I think outro would be good. <laughs> okay. I won't uh, even well, offer hey. to sing. Oh God. Well, yeah, we've established I don't I don't allow that on our main episodes. <laughs> I'm not um, this. Well, yeah. So we've <laughs> taken a little break this week from our coverage of the Living Dead series, but we are back in two weeks with our next installment of that uh coverage. We're gonna be talking about the next movie in the series, which is of course 1985's Day of the Dead. So if you haven't listened to our other episodes, go back. We've talked about Night of the Living Dead, Dawn of the Dead, and we're going to do all the other movies in the series. And then we're going to do like 50 other movies that are tangentially related. So uh, look forward to that. Uh, We've obviously taken a bit of a detour this week to talk about something a little more serious. But hey, we're right back into the the genre films uh, coming up, coming up soon. So tune in i think that's all i can't think of anything else my brain is shot so (laughs) i guess uh you know good night and uh thanks for listening good night night good night good night (laughs) or good morning if you're listening oh man good afternoon yeah good afternoon i'm just trying to get home to my little girl's birthday give us your briefcase if everybody will stay out of my way. Here, you want a briefcase? Here's my briefcase! There's a briefcase, huh? Wait, 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 wait. Then nobody will get hurt. Warner Brothers presents. Say, would you get off my golf course? Yeah. The story of an everyday guy who refused Five. to take it one more day. So we got a nutcase with a bag full of guns. He's in Hollywood right now, and he's heading west. I don't know if you've noticed or not, but there's other people waiting to use the phone here. Now, if you go up against this guy, be careful. I think it's out of order. Somebody in a white shirt and tie gunned down a phone with three blocks in the Whammy Burger. Michael Douglas. In America, we have the freedom of speech. Come on, I want to be a bargain. I want to buy a ticket. The right to disagree. Robert Duvall. I know who this guy is. In a Joel Schumacher film. What are you doing to the street? We're fixing it. What the hell does it look like? See, I don't think anything's wrong with the street. I think you're just trying to justify your inflated budgets. Well, I guess so. I'll give you something to fix. What are you... Hey, Charlie! (laughs) Falling down. Let's call it a day. Come on. I'm the bad guy? A tale of urban reality.